Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I don't like blood. Evening, even though I just realized it's morning, <laughs> and this is with Gorley and Rust. My name is Matt Gorley. Oh, and I'm Paul Rust. Gorley, it's good to see you. Oh, it's a chilly, brisk. Uh, what season is it? Is it spring? Uh, Batember. Batember. <laughs> Here in March, we're outdoors, yeah. socially distanced. This is the cozy, easy listening horror podcast you've come to know and listen to. Hmm. I hear some beautiful birds chirping in the background there. They are beautiful. They have Fabio-like hair. Oh my gosh! I wish I could show you my notes, Gorley. Oh, I know you. I where you I wrote the main the people under this Fabio. I hair. call him Fabio too. Oh my gosh! Well, we're we should just do a great start. Trade notes and read each other's notes as if they were our own. Oh my god! But they we we would be able to understand them actually probably more easily than the one who wrote. I'd be like, I know exactly what Gorley's talking about. Fabio hair. Let's dig in. <laughs> oh god! Well, listen, just a little bit of business. You can check the show notes here with a link to Patreon and our merch. Just so you know, on Patreon. Oh boy. You can get mailbag episodes, feature-length commentary episodes. We're going to be dropping some special things. Mm-hmm. And depending, uh, you know, some of them will be for all tiers of subscription. Some will be just for certain. Let, let's put it this way. If if it's a select tier, you you get, if you're at the highest tier, you always get it. If you're at the mm. third highest tier, you'll mo- mostly get it. it. Second highest tier, sometimes get it. <laughs> and first tier, occasionally get hey, these things. Right. Is that vague enough for you? <laughs> and also the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street franchise season will eventually go behind the paywall, so that's a fair fair call for you to get it if you like it for free for now. We don't want to yeah. steal it from Much you. Much like teenagers' dreams to Freddy, they're ripe for the taking. Oh, I like for that. You. Yeah. How are you, Paul? I'm I'm good. I, I do. I'm digging this weather. And uh, you kind of saying like the uh, good evening, good morning. That's kind of what it feels like right now. This overcast, it feels like some sort of weird mix between 
Well, gosh darn it, day and night. Yeah, it's afternoon. <laughs> I think I said it for that reason because there's no sun out right now, so there's no shadows. Everything's diffusing. It feels like 5 p.m., but it's really 12.30 or something. Yeah, and, you know, maybe there's some parallel with the people under the stairs because there is uh, no moment exactly in the house where it go- you know where it goes from day to night definitively. Oh. kind of happens in the background. You're like, oh, I guess maybe it became night already. Oh, yeah. Uh, which, sorry to start off on a flaw about a movie I selected <laughs> and voted for or uh, threw in the, the pile, uh, but... Um, you know, I love it when horror movies really uh, underline the sun going down. I think that's like oh, creep it, central. It's so foreboding. It's so metaphorical. I mean, there's a, a movie that the the what is it? The town that feared sunset, right? By Wes Craven. Oh my god! This guy should know most about this stuff. We haven't even talked about this, have we? Is Craven his real name, or is that a sort of horror director stage name? <laughs> if his name's uh, Wes Cravenlean, <laughs> Cravenstein. Did I ever tell you my I had a friend in college who told me that uh, Kevin Diesel's full name is Kevin Dieselman? Who's Kevin Diesel? <laughs> no, Vin Diesel. Oh. His, oh, his full name is Kevin wait, wait, Dieselman. Wait, I didn't even know his... Wait, no, no okay, 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 sorry. Because like, also, you know what I'm doing? I'm flashing back to the story you told about Kevin last week when <laughs> you were so into the Billy Veras being the Beatles song that you needed to apply it to some loss, and that was just a casual friend leaving you. It's worth going back. I've... Listening to that episode, I've been thinking of that story all week. <laughs> it's so adorable. I told Amanda, I just couldn't get I came, enough of it. I came home and I told Leslie it because I was like, I don't think I've ever told you this story about how I would listen to the music and try to feel. That's an all-timer for me. That's up there with This Means Pepper, I think. <laughs> Maybe a close second. I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, well, you know, as I, I, I'm now I'm blushing. But the... the, the what? I mean, well, what? since I... Um, I just said it. I was the one who threw the people under the stairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, threw the people under the stairs? I didn't throw the people. I threw the movie titled The People Under the Stairs into the pile of movies we're yes. going to choose from. And I wanted to say, maybe I should have said this, just because I select a movie, it doesn't necessarily mean because I think it's perfect or maybe even great. I was curious. Or even <laughs> very good. <laughs> Sometimes I might have just chosen it because <laughs> it's, there's moments that are fun to look at. I'm so glad to hear you say that okay. because I want to celebrate this movie. It is crazy. Yes. And I'm glad that there's freedom to talk about it, honestly, because I had a great time watching it. But I, I need it's to process flawed. it. Yeah. It's flawed in, in a... It's one of those movies that I think I would do the same thing. I think certain movies on my list, even though I haven't seen them, are going to end up being that way. Well, Probably Motel Hell. Mm-hmm. Um, and I forgot completely. I don't <laughs> what, know. You might not I... have any regrets checking into Motel Hell. Oh, no. It sounds good to me. <laughs> the warm smell of Kalitas. <laughs> There's a mint on my pillow. Great. It's covered in blood. <laughs> it's a blood mint. <laughs> From the girl, girl Scouts. Uh, so... Yeah, there's there's just so much to uh, talk about with this. Yeah, movie. there's definitely things that uh, I mean. I think the movie totally loses tension somewhere in the middle, <laughs> and then like... gets it back and loses it like eight times. Yes, it's a, yes, in, incredible in that sense. But there's many times where you go, "How many times can they let this dog 
No one run around. <laughs> a lot of dog scenes. Yeah, a lot of yeah. repetition yes. like scenes. Yeah, it's a movie I think could probably what was it like a hundred and six minutes or something? Could have been eighty. Yeah, eighty five and. You wouldn't have, um, but yeah, yeah. There, there's, there's greatness to it and uh, bizarreness. I'm thankful for it because I'm, I'm saying this with no hyperbole. For better or for worse, I've never seen a movie like this. <laughs> I'd never seen this movie. I knew nothing about it. Somehow, this, I guess, this is '91. What do you know? What month it came out? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, you always no, do. It's, it's so amazing. Okay, so November of '91. Um, Ooh. Uh, I think Freddy's Dead was just coming, maybe had just come out like two weeks before that. I'm I'm a month into my first year at college, so Fun. You're, you're not, not gonna going find to find me at people on their stairs. No. Are you kidding? I am in the dorms. I'm. You're gonna be the partier on the stairs. You're gonna oh, be hanging yeah. out at a uh, maybe at a a, 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 a fraternity house staircase and you're standing there with your leg on one step yeah I, I, higher up than the other foot <laughs> it looks cool to my knowledge <laughs> i never seriously visited any fraternity houses but i think i was at that point involved in whatever the organized dorm social events were so it would yes. have been like a dating game show that i was in uh like a uh pumpkin carving uh, that would have been just the month before, but oh, you know things like that. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. I, I think maybe some people's best life experiences and stories come from that first two three months at college, where you, even when you're a senior in college and you look back on it, you go like, "Who the fuck was I hanging out with? Oh, yeah. What was I up to?" Because you so... are placed with people. You're not. Yeah. You're placed with a roommate. It's I... the first time maybe for some people in life where you're just kind of deposited in a new community where you have to like yeah. make sense of it outside of a new job or something i was drinking a lot of beer and i did not like beer mm. but i thought if well if you if you're joe college you gotta drink beer keep in mind i was also often wearing a <laughs> a crew neck gray sweatshirt that said csulb on it and boxers as shorts. Remember, I don't know if you remember when flannel short boxers were <laughs> were like passable as short. Like they would sell them at the school. Yeah, well, you know, it's the early '90s. Flannel for shirts. If you're grunge, flannel shorts. If you're if, cool, if you're not cool, I think you're being. Kind. Now, would you wear a protective brief S- under certainly, it? Certainly. Okay. Good. Yeah. Well, or unfortunately for for some folks who <laughs> look at some gorly wag. <laughs> They were few and far between, let me tell you, because I was still just a little guy. <laughs> um, so what was the dating game thing? It was like a funny thing you do in front of the students. It was just put on by the dorm community. There were like four major dorm. There was two big buildings mm-hmm. and then a, a, like two collections of dorm suites. And I lived in one of the big buildings, mm. Los Alamitos, I think. And anyone who was in the dorms could come to this thing in the cafeteria, and it was a stage dating game. So I was one of the three bachelors that, you know, had to do the dating game, and, and there was a girl who was the, the single woman, and, and I ended up getting picked, and we went to El Torito. Oh, you so you were you went on the date? Y- yeah, and she was very nice, but it didn't go anywhere. It did go to a second date? No. And I, you, and then I remember I was— Did you hold hands? No, I, I think it was just—we just knew it was— better 
to just be a fun, friendly yeah. thing. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I don't remember exactly why, but I do remember I was wearing a green felt blazer <laughs> or wool or something. Were you wearing the flannel shorts? <laughs> no. The flannel boxer oh, shorts? God, I hope not. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that is a time of my life. There's just certain times you like reminiscing about and certain ones you don't. <laughs> well said. <laughs> and so I, I do apologize to the listener that just had to reminisce of that with me and you. No, Let's it's my on. favorite. Oh. But yeah, what is it for the listener? Maybe sometimes for the teller, it's it's hard memories to go back to. But for the listener, it's sometimes the golden. I actually, if I'm in a moment sometimes, or I'm so uncomfortable now, yeah. uh, not now, now, yeah. but uh, in life, I try to pull that ripcord in my brain of going. I hate this now. This moment sucks right now. It's so uncomfortable. But oh, that's good. It will be a more interesting part of my life than if this had just gone normal. And that is such a wonderful way to think of things. Well, and when we're two uh, comedy fellas, you, oh yeah, you, you can, can even mind. go. Hey, maybe I'll use it that's, someday. That's right. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> so, what was your experience with this movie? When did you did you see it in the theater? No, no, no. I saw it um, on, I think I primarily saw this movie a lot on VHS, because when I was watching it, I remember thinking like, man, I think my memories of this are on kind of cloudy, fuzzy VHS tapes. Do you have it on VHS and your newfound uh, revisiting no. of a lot of these films on VHS? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Although I'm a big fan of this era of the MCA Universal VHS sleeve. The MCA universe. The MCA universe, which yeah. we're all part of. Uh, uh, I mean, this, I guess, is a time to talk about. Like, Universal, I feel like, was doing something interesting at this point in the like late 80s, early 90s. Not a lot of horror movies were getting made. And Universal, I think, was putting, like, their best foot forward and trying to do so they did uh this and Candyman oh. and Dr. Giggles and a bunch of the child's play sequels around this time um and they you know in the same way that like broadcast television has like certain channels kind of have looks mm-hmm. i feel like certain i don't know if they have processing labs or something uh, it might be and and you wonder if they have standards or it's just happening by the same kind of studio crew or something yeah do you think Universal kind of took that step because they did have a certain amount of pride of kind of being the first studio that that ushered in horror with I the classic so, Universal yeah, things. Yeah. I wish they'd kind of get back to that. I know they were, I don't mean get back to it like they're trying to do these mummy reboots and stuff, but just good horror. Yeah, I mean, the Drag Me to Hell movie uh, last week had a cool, their Universal logo was like a throwbacky one almost to them being like, hey, we're going to go back to genre stuff. Oh, and I think wow. when Drag Me to Hell came out, it was almost like, oh, is Universal going to do... Like, yeah, instead of just rebooting this stuff, kind of, like, create new worlds of these things. Uh, But for whatever reason, like, that Child's Play 2 kind of has this look, and Dr. Giggles as well. It's, like, this kind of, like, a little too overly, like, Mm well-lit cinematography that's just, like, uh, you know, you you love the bond you grew up with. It's just, like, it scratches some sort of visual itch in my brain that I like. It's just, like, very... That's reason enough. That is reason enough. There, we never like people don't often recognize nostalgia goes beyond stories, characters. Like it really is sometimes 
a vague look, feel, and sound. It's not even yes. the score. Yeah. It's the way the score is produced or the music's produced. Uh, like the sound of a keyboard, especially in this era, is really chimey and Doogie Howsery. Oh yeah, and that tells you right away, like just before you can even think it in your brain, that you're back somewhere you recognize. And the look—it's kind of like that. The cinematography is—it's like well lit, but a little. God, well, like I'm remembering Dutch angles on this movie, and I watched it last night, but I'm not even sure if they're. No, there's a couple. T- yes, there's a Dutch angle. I think when they're like, she's on a staircase. And he's talking to her, and they're like trying to position both of them. It kind of goes to this crazy Dutch angle that feels a little yeah. Sam Raimi-ish. Yes, it de- it definitely. There's had some that moments feel. that actually feel a little Evil Dead-ish. Like he yeah. looks sort of like Bruce. Um, why am I blanking on his name? Oh, Campbell. Bruce Campbell, the yeah. dad character. Yeah. And then also, there are some like hint, kind of wild hint, like when they're first sitting in the living room, he like gets up and moves to her or something, and the camera like does this kind of like. You wouldn't see it in Nightmare no. uh, on Elm Street. It's a no. different kind of Wes Craven look where it's like handheld. and Yeah, yeah he's yeah. definitely having some of his brand of fun because he directed this, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Freddy's Dead has this too, kind of this well-lit, cartoony look that is, you're hitting on something, which is like, they go handheld. It's like kind yeah. of like that, how they're trying to shake up. But it's so outside of like the point of view shots and like Halloween what's so scary about Halloween is just, it feels very like steady and controlled and like the dread that the camera has or the steadiness is the same as Michael Myers. So it does kind of throw things off when a camera's like bopping around. (laughs) Well, it feels like nineties kids commercials of like chewing gum and, and like, uh, I don't know, like neon Leon. That is a, yeah. One of them should walk into the movie and go like, uh, the purple stuff or the sunny D. Yeah. 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 Well, and having child actors is, like, a huge thing in this movie. That is, like, the choice of choices, and I think in this movie is, like, having the central character be a, a, a like, 11-year-old boy. And the two kids in this movie are better than anyone else. Yes. Better than the adults. Not that the adults are bad, but they're just going for something completely different. Yeah. The two kids play it really real. Oh, yeah. He's great. Uh, the yeah. kid who plays oh, he's so school. Good. He's, um... He was a great, um, I mean, I'm sure he continues to be a good actor, but just as a child actor, he gave like really great performances. He's in that, um, the M- Michael Jackson, um, in Moonwalker, there's like a kid version of Bad. Oh, I've never seen Moonwalker. And he's really, he plays the Michael Jackson part. He's really funny in that. And he's in The Sandlot yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was really good. And, and so then, was the girl. Yeah. The girl is, um, I never was a, a fan. I never watched My So-Called Life, but I think yeah, she's either. one of the... And then her parents, the people under the stairs, I'm not a Twin Peaks fan, or or not to say I'm not a fan. I just... What I've seen, I love. I just... I haven't watched it Every Twin Peaks listener just shut this I podcast know. Well, off. I know. Well, I think there. it's such a cool no. show. Anytime I've never I've seen, seen it. it. I've never seen it. Well, I mean, just I guess I'm saying that because I don't want to seem like a poser when yeah. I say, I guess those those two actors were actors on Twin Peaks. That makes sense. Yeah. Ever, Everett McGill is the father, and he's in has a kind of fun role in License to Kill, the James Bond movie. He plays a character called Killifer. <laughs> Killifer? Yeah. What's that a twist on i don't know i he's a <laughs> cop that goes bad he's a dirty cop in license to kill yeah so he was having a pretty good run here yeah because he was also in dune which i recently watched for oh. the first time and i i david lynch very loyal yeah that's right he does seem to really use his stable of actors yeah because i wasn't familiar with i forget her name that plays the mother in this or excuse me the sister 
Yeah. Now uh, you're like Faye Dunaway in uh, Chinatown. I just watched that. Hey. Wow. Uh, just watched it as the first time just watched? Or? No, I had watched it probably when I was like 20, early uh-huh. 20s and liked it but didn't remember much. And this is the first time I really sat down yeah. to watch it. Gourley. I'm going to say it. Top five movie for me, man. It's I watch really Chinatown good. twice a year Wow. over the last 10 years. It is... I love it so much. I love Chinatown so I, much. I know I've also <laughs> seen The Two Jakes, and I know it's inferior, but just enjoying Chinatown makes me... Did you just watch Two Jakes? No, but it... I want to. I will. Uh, it's admirable in that like Jack Nicholson is directing it. Yeah. And he's pretty sexy in Chinatown. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But in Two Jakes, he doesn't... It's, it's a vanity list performance in a way that's really cool. Oh, that's Like, cool. Jake Giddies is, like, out of breath, and he's, like, his pants are always falling down. He's picking them oh, up and he, stuff. It's he like had to write it in. <laughs> <laughs> like, Jake Giddies is actually supposed to be very smooth in this scene. He's like, man, his pants fall down. <laughs> okay, Jack. Read the blue pages. <laughs> of Speaking of Dutch angles real quick. Yeah. I, I've been doing that thing again where I wake up at, like, four or five in the morning and putting on an old British show. So I'm finally, I want to say, I don't want to say forcing myself, but I've started The Prisoner from 1967 two or three times before I've never made it through. And I think anybody that's seen The Prisoner, even if they have made it through, would understand that. It's it's challenging. It's <laughs> fascinating. Uh-huh. It's interesting, but I'm, I'm definitely going to make it through this time. It's sluggish. It's like a little slow. Or... Yeah. And it's abstract in a way that I don't know if it fully understands itself. Cause mm. Patrick McGowan, the star notoriously took over the production and was a micromanager and kind of made it more abstract. It was a little more literal on the page and then, huh. re, you know, really kind of directed and edited. I'm listening to this great podcast about it too, called a degree absolute. And that's admirable, though, too, that like you would think if an actor took over that they would try to be nailing down like the motivations of the character to make it I think more in abstract his mind, and stuff. Yeah, he is. And he was a notoriously devout Catholic. So like he wouldn't kiss women in the show and stuff like that. It's, it's fraught. But there's a scene because there's a number of Dutch angles in this show. But there's a scene where he it's a Dutch angle shot of him looking in a mirror that's crooked on the wall. And you can see him in the mirror, so it's shot from behind him. And he fixes the mirror, and as he does, the Dutch angle goes straight with the mirror. <laughs> it was incredible. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the 60s seemed to be a, a big time for the Dutch. Like, I'm watching a lot of Batman 60s oh, shows. Oh, yeah. God, I love I, it. I wish sometimes... Uh, Bruce Wayne would maybe adjust the camera every once in a while. Like, like he just walk over to it. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, the, those Nolan Batman should have had some Dutch angles. Yeah. I mean, he was so fussy. Like, he wouldn't even <laughs> allow in the trailer to have his brother wanted to have um, Paint It Black play over the trailer for Dark Knight Rises. And, like, Nolan's brother? Yeah. Oh. Uh, the co writer, yeah. Jonathan Nolan? I forget. And Christopher Nolan was like, bloody not. <laughs> He just like I guess he uh, doesn't like pop music in any of his movies. I guess that's true. I've never thought. And so yeah, oh. I, I wouldn't expect a Dutch angle from that guy if I can't expect a monkey song every once in no a while. No kidding. God, give us one monkey song. <laughs> take take one a tenth of one percent of your Hans Zimmer thrumping, <laughs> and give me just a little bit of 
Paul Revere and the Raiders <laughs> singing on some jangly Rickenbackers. As long as we're talking about 60 television, I didn't mention the monkeys. Are. I watched an episode of the monkeys last mm. week. It was so funny. And holy cow, I can't imagine that on being on one third of broadcast network television. They're doing some straight up Tim and Eric stuff oh. where oh. they'll be like, or, or, or Stella, where, where somebody will come in and be like, Hey, you guys can't uh, you can't uh, race at the 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 auto race tomorrow, and then they just kind of this like, ha ha quotations. We're not really acting here. They just kind of go like, a, oh no, oh no, now we can't run in the race. I'm just like, this is amazing. I loved the monkeys growing up, and I just bought myself a rowing machine. It hasn't come yet, but my new way of exercising is going to be I'm going to row for the length of a '60s half hour so like 22 minutes so like get smart the monkeys whatever and i'm just gonna tear through them all that is awesome uh what are you gonna do get smart is that what you're maybe gonna jump into i don't know monkeys is actually sounding pretty good i can see doing the monkeys because you get a couple songs in there too yeah and they're good songs yeah and there's a recent song by the monkeys that was really good i mean not super recent because they're not all with us but oh like when they had a recent yeah, like Spring. within the last 10 years. Oh. It's a sweet song. Yeah, my friend Daniel sent it to me recently, and I, sh- I wish I could remember it, but oh, sorry. No, uh, hey, baby, maybe the show notes. We don't know. Sh- show notes? <laughs> no shows. Yeah, Wait. there's no show notes, like snow I, notes. I bet I can tell you because I think it's even in my Spotify history. Ooh. Um, I don't even know if this is worth waiting for, but. Um, when you... um. Uh, like I do have a child and everybody's talking like releasing their like my most listened to song on Spotify and it's cool yeah so he's like that's right all year I was listening to the Arctic Monkeys <laughs> but when you have a kid it's like <laughs> look at what oh, I yeah. listened to a thousand times uh... oh I got called out on Twitter <laughs> I'll I'll say what happened after then first. Okay. No, someone not on Twitter. Someone texted me, and was like Matt, WTF? And it just a screenshot of my Spotify history that I didn't even know was public, and it just showed no scrubs. And I <laughs> I've been listening to no scrubs because, and this is not to say I wouldn't listen to no scrubs. I'm not. I I'm yeah, proud of it. There's nothing wrong with it. But I listen real, to no scrubs all the time. The real story is I was listening to this great podcast called 60 songs explain the 90s and it's a ringer podcast so it's in kind of like cahoots with spotify and after the podcast the song plays well of course but my real search history is way more embarrassing that one's not (laughs) even embarrassing but like the deepest rush cuts into like uh just bad michael jackson i'm not saying he's bad as a musician i'm saying some of these songs do you mean bad era michael jackson no i mean like not the best michael jackson oh man talk about some bad michael jackson i mean there's different categories of bad michael jackson let's just acknowledge that (laughs) uh but one of them his music that kind of um his, I think maybe last album that came around like 2002. Uh, there's some doozies. Oh, I'll some bet. Really great songs that I still listen oh, to. I'll like bet. Um, Butterflies is a good tune. Mm. You give me butterflies. <laughs> That's one of the songs. And then the other one is 2000 Watts. 
eight ohms. <laughs> Whoa, that's very technical gearheady. I like that. And his voice is like lower. I think it's oh. actually Michael not singing in his normal voice. You've heard this, right? No. That that was all pretend. Oh yes, I've heard that. I thought you meant if I heard the lower voice. No, yeah. I would love to. But on to that song it. he sings with a lower voice. I you want to hear I'm some definitely gonna have to check that out. Yeah. By the way, my monkey song was called Me and Magdalena. Ooh. It's really good. It's a sweet little song. Is it from the perspective of um Christ? <laughs> yeah. Mary <laughs> Whoops. I started playing it. I didn't mean to, but I was wondering if I could see when it was from but I didn't. I don't want to take any more time on this monkeys thing when we should, you know. What are you talking about? You're right. That's the goods. That's that is the goods. <sighs> um. Well, let me just <laughs> look at my notes here, Gorley. Yeah, me too. The notes under the stairs. <laughs> um, oh, I also would put in that cat uh, with the um uh uh that era of Universal. Uh, I really like uh. Death Becomes Her, that Robert Zemeckis movie. Oh, yeah. I haven't yeah. seen that in a long time, but I know I like that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, you asked a good question. Wes Craven, is that his real name? I don't know. It just sounds like a made-up, either a, mus- a like metal musician or a horror film guy would have. Yeah. One. I know that, like, hey, I'm going to make this movie, Last House on the Left. I got to be called, I can't be called my real name, Wes Kevin Wieselstein. <laughs> Wieselstein. Wes Baumgartner. Wesley Baumgartner. I've never heard Wesley of Wesley Sunshine. <laughs> oh, that worked when I had a cleaning company, but now I got to make horror movies. <laughs> um, I think he was kind of at a interesting stage in his career right now. It was yeah, like so... seven years after Nightmare on Elm Street. And but, has he done New Nightmare? I forget. No, this was the movie, the last movie he did before New Nightmare, okay. three years later. And he had tried, I think, I mean, it's cool. He's trying to do original stuff and not just cash it on Nightmare sequels. So Very he did, cool, yeah. Yeah, he did this movie, The Serpent and the Rainbow, which oh, I've never yeah. seen. Oh, you haven't? No. It that looks like Bono's be... on the poster. It does? I think it's Bill Pullman. In his coffin? Like yeah, but I, when I was a kid, I'd see that cover. <laughs> Is that Bono? God, I wish. <laughs> now, that's a movie I haven't seen for years and one we could potentially Ooh. cover for the one-offs because um, there's a great series on Shudder called Cursed Films. and it's uh, mm, I, I, Yes, I'm yeah. familiar. So Jay Cheel, who's a friend, and he directed it. That's great how series. I ended up in the first as a like talking head that was basically out of my league. But uh, there's a second season, and they're going to cover that movie because it's got some, you know, you know, all these movies are rumors of curses, and they're just dis- sort of like, exploring what the curse is purportedly about and what people believe it to be. Anyway, they're shooting that right now, and Jay texted me. He's like, I'm in L.A. I'm shooting interviews. Can I shoot Bill Pullman in your backyard? (laughs) (laughs) And it didn't happen because we have so much construction going on in the neighbors in here, and I was so so happy that Bill Pullman was going to be in my backyard. Holy cow. I know. That's awesome. Bill Pullman, I think, is like the real deal, right? Seems like it. I feel like he was somebody who could have gotten... He was pursuing a, not in the sense that he's like crazy, like um, uh, uh, what James Woods, yeah. but like has a brain that could have pursued another thing. Mm. And it's like I'll give acting to try, then it's really good at it. Maybe. I wonder, but he he's someone like that's fascinating to me, like Carrie Elwes. Why didn't they kind of because they kind of have both had a little bit of a subtle comeback now, but they did uh-huh. go away for a while. 
Yeah, and they're kind of similar era, like Spaceballs and Princess Bride. They're both playing kind of like um, and men dashing. in tights. Yes, interesting. Yeah, yeah. But you always default, and I I like to change my mind on this because you always think when that happens that the industry didn't want them or something. When in fact you find maybe they're just well-established and stable people that want to break from all the bullshit and don't want to act for a while. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's funny because it's easy when it's like Albert Brooks and there's like a big gap between like lost in America and defending your life and you just go, oh, that dude takes a while for him to, he's not Woody Allen. He can't do a movie a year. He has to like think about it and write it and take time. But then that's when somebody's in control of their own, like the work. When it is an actor, especially like a leading man, you go like, Oh, is somebody just not feeling Bill Pullman as a leading man? We had to wait until while you were sleeping before we could get our... <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I don't think I've ever told this story on the podcast about Bill Pullman. A first-timer, wow. But when I first moved to Los Angeles, oh, I uh, I was over <laughs> at a, a house <laughs> where there was a phone number that said... Bull, Bill Pullman had had his phone number on the the thing as like the phone itself had it as as they used to. You mean? Uh, 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 no, like on a notepad at this oh. person's house. It okay. said Bill Pullman and his phone number. I see. And I was like, this. I had just gotten my flip phone. I think within the first oh, within the wow. last year. Exciting. I was like, this, well, this is what's great about having a flip phone. You see yeah. Bill Pullman's name next to his number. Do you put it in your phone? And then the person whose house it was walked came into the kitchen and I was like with a friend as we were doing it and she's like I thought I shouldn't have left that out with you boys loving Bill Pullman <laughs> and okay so then like four years later I'm at the Gelson's on Franklin yeah I look over at the cash register there's Bill Pullman Billy Pullman so I'm like I'm gonna call this guy I have his phone number he doesn't have mine He's just gonna pick up. <laughs> so, oh my god, I'm watching Bill Pullman, and I call, and then it's weird because as I'm doing this, I'm like, isn't this a scene in a David Lynch movie where somebody calls him? And it's his voice picking up at his house or something like this is weird that I'm doing. It. Anyway, I call. It's his house. Oh. It's not his cell phone, so he doesn't pick up. But anyway, man, I what was a excited. what a missed connection. <laughs> what a shitty story. <laughs> <laughs> Someone once gave me Daniel Craig's phone number, and I'm thinking <gasps> like, I've got James Bond's phone number. I've got. But, wow. but what was I gonna do? I I can't call him. Like, Sext. <laughs> Sext that man. I think it was his own phone number too. And could you think of a star more? Um, hmm. uh, uh, what's the word? Like more. Or less receptive, who would be less receptive to getting cold called by a fan? Not the, that I was going to call him, but could could you imagine how that would play out? Oh, yeah. It's not like, like Daniel Craig's going to be like, oh, you're a fan of James Bond. Well, I understand he... why you're calling me at home. Let's <laughs> let, Can you just give me a second? Because I'll, I'll sit down and we'll talk for a while. Also, he's in Munich. He doesn't want to be answering strange phone. It could no. blow up in his face. Exactly, and you're exactly right. And that's why I didn't call because I thought he'll never he'll never answer because he's gonna blow up. Yeah, he'll, he'll have his daughter answer it before he does. <laughs> does Daniel Craig have a daughter? Is uh, he married? He's married to Rachel Vice. 
Oh. And they do have a She put his child. heart in a Rachel Vice. Oh, yeah, and squeezed it. How could she not? They're yeah. both beautiful people. That's right. And I could have called them at any time and never did. Maybe it's still... Rachel, is Daniel home? Oh, yeah, who is this? Gorley. Oh, Gorley, yeah. I think I still have it. Now... Say it out loud on this. Could it be the Over same the number? I'm not going to call it, but let me search my contacts. Will you call it now? Do you want me to? Yes! <laughs> Should we? You do it. I don't want to put you in a position, but I would love it if you did. I mean, look, it's an international number. Oh, my gosh. I'm so nervous. Is okay. it 007? <laughs> <laughs> it's just the MI6 headquarters. Okay. Here we go. This Wi-Fi call will be charged as per your international plan. To Six continue, please hundred. hold. Oh my god. Oh my god. What, do, what did it say to continue? What? <laughs> Sorry, but the person you've called isn't available at the moment. Why not leave a message so they can get back to you? Just speak after the tone. When you've finished your message, just hang up. Or to hear more options, press 1. I had to hang up. Yes, please. Thank you. Oh, my God. I haven't felt that like since when I was in junior high and somebody calls up a girl and I'm like watching them call. Was that Rachel Vice? As Money Penny? <laughs> oh, my gosh. That I'm, was more heart pounding than a James Bond action thriller. I'm virtually certain that is no longer their number. This was like... Who? What, this would have been 2006. So there's <laughs> no way they like have the same home Pierce phone number. Pierce Brosnan's home phone number <laughs> as a joke, and people are always calling and asking for Daniel. It's like, no, bloody no! <laughs> I already fucking lost the job, Tim. What's that crazy line he has in that movie where it's a really oh Taffin? <laughs> yeah, where he goes like, I didn't want it anymore. <laughs> what is that? I forget. Let's call Daniel and ask. <laughs> ah. We love all the, we the do. Bondies. We do. Uh, the Von Bondies. The Bondies. The Blonde Bondies. <laughs> Gorley, you just gave us like a top five moment on this podcast I'm here. I'm still, my heart is pounding. Breath. My heart is pounding. Like the amount I talked just there was totally like how much I'd run my mouth if I just was in a airplane crash. <laughs> and I'd be like, can you believe what happened with it? <laughs> They're like, yes, yes, calm down. Let's just relax. <laughs> What's funny is that I didn't call Daniel Craig. We didn't call Daniel Craig. Everyone who's listening, we all called we Daniel call. Craig, who I'm sure was not even Daniel Craig. It's probably just some guy named Craig Daniels. But at <laughs> Anthony, least we know it was English. Anthony brother. Yeah, I know. It's international. I wonder how much that even cost me. How much do you think I just paid hey, for Hey, write that? it off, man. Oh, you're right. Just write it off oh, for yeah. the pod. Yeah. <laughs> I noticed it had the British... Uh, or not, but the European, like, doo-doo. yeah, doo-doo. it wasn't ring, ring, it was a sort of a it was the wee woo of phone rings, the uh, ambulance. Well, I will say that we didn't get through, but every bit of evidence at least says it's in the right direction, it's yeah. the right country. It wasn't like the it was like, um, Good eye, mate. Leave a message, all right? <laughs> oh, that's or was terrible. It like, you have reached the front Hello. I'm definitely not living in England. <laughs> what is Daniel Craig's uh, birthplace? 
I believe it's it's England for sure. I know that, but I think. Oh, okay. That, but I think he's like. Yes. London. I think. But uh, I, I guess I was asking in a crazy way that. Isn't all the James Bond actors, they all represent one of the Queen's countries? Pretty close. So you've got Connery, who's Scottish. Mm-hmm. Lazenby's Australian. Mm-hmm. Roger Moore is decidedly English. <laughs> Timothy Dalton is Welsh. Pierce Brosnan's Irish. And then Daniel Craig's English. So, Do you need a Canadian? I guess you do. And a, and a Kiwi. Hmm. Wow. Who's our famous, most famous Kiwi actor right now? Male or female? Uh, Jermaine Clement. Okay, I think of James right? Bond. Or, is that right? <laughs> I mean, I, he'd be a great James Bond. Yeah, and I feel like there hasn't been any comic interpretations of the spy genre before, so maybe <laughs> that would be an interesting... And what about Canadians? <laughs> Gordon Lightfoot. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I didn't know he was Canadian. Uh, maybe, um, uh, oh, if Alex Trebek was with, still with oh, us, he'd be yeah. a perfect Bond. Yeah, he would. Uh, too bad. Yeah, can you imagine? Ba-na-ba. Do-do-do-do. Ba-na-ba. Do-do-do. And mustache or no? A doctor no? A mustache? Oh, yeah. Ooh, I wonder, has there been, a, there hasn't ever been a mustachioed Bond? There has been Bond in a mustache disguise, when in Octopussy. When he's, yes, he Roger Moore has, yeah. but he's like trying yeah. to be a Cuban yes. warlord. Yes, and a mustache will do. That's all he has is a mustache, and he's suddenly Cuban. <laughs> yes, give me the Castro yeah. stash. How little have we talked about the people under the stairs? What's the people under the stairs? What is that? I'm like so guilty of it. I'm like asking you, have all the James Bond actors represented the Queen's country? And I took a moment to answer. Well, should we do, uh, what is what we call a pee break for this? Uh, the pee. The peen. The pee pool. Under. The pee pool. <laughs> under the toilet. <laughs> okay. And then, listeners, wait till we come back. You'll see how much we'll talk oh, about this bad, film. Oh, bad, bad, bad. You're going to yeah. be sorry about how much we talk about this film. You'll be like, that's too much. You're like, I wish they would go back to talking about which actors uh, who played James Bond, or which countries they're from. Yeah. We'll be right back. Yes. With and Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, so back to Daniel Craig. <laughs> yeah. No, the people under the stairs. <laughs> no, now let's... Make it interesting. You say his phone number, but two numbers off from each one, and then people can do the math. Call on, on their own. Um, oh, so yeah, what I was saying was uh, with uh, Wes Craven, the stage in his career, so he'd done The Serpent and the Rainbow, and then did a Shocker, which was like a total attempt to do like a new Freddy monster character. It didn't take off. Never seen it. Uh, I watched the first half. It was it didn't catch my fancy love. Oh, this Daniel, Daniel Craig. Craig. <laughs> we got through. <laughs> wow, Will Smith is dying right now. By the way, Will has Daniel's number. He's on the phone with him right now. Uh, oh my god! We don't been, rat us out. We could ask Will the whole time. <sighs> yeah, that's right. Because they were both in Hancock together, right? Yeah, Hancock Park. <laughs> What is the degree of separation from... No, we got to talk about no, people No, come on. We got to answer that question. What What's the degree of separation between... What's the quickest you can get? To Daniel Craig to Will Smith. Um, well, they were both crown jewels in Sony in the 2000s. Oh. Sony, they're like the only studio, really, I think, still, that like just like will sign somebody and make a bunch of movies with them. Yeah, like the old system. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if it's because they're on the old MGM lot. They're like, let's bring back the days of Louis B. Mayer. We're going to sign this Daniel Craig up to a... So yeah, that doesn't answer the question of what's the... I'm having trouble even thinking of Will Smith movies for some reason. I mean, Independence Day, but there's no one in there that I can immediately link to Daniel Craig. Um, Bill Pullman, I got. Okay, this is how we would do this. Let's just do... Men in Black. Oh, okay. Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. Probably bopped around with somebody who was in a... <laughs> Why are we so bad at this right now? He's got to have. Batman, he was... Uh, who was in that Batman with him? George Clooney. Wait, who was in the... He was Two-Face in... No, he was in Two-Face in Val Kilmer's. Right. And... Oh my god! You know what I think the problem is partly when they're not character actors. When you got two yeah. movie stars like Will Smith and Daniel Craig, it's they don't share movies. They don't share universes. They're like just complete stars in their own constellations. Okay. I know we were going to say we're we'll gonna get talk back about to it. We'll people. figure. No, it out. I, we got to do this. <laughs> <sighs> okay, okay, okay. Jeffrey Rush is in Munich. Oh. Yeah, oh, I, I thought you were going the other way. No, Because <laughs> no, I was no. about to go, oh, Jeff Rush is in Munich with Daniel Craig. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. I was like, uh, okay, okay. Bill Pullman was in Independence Day. Bill Pullman. I know there's a more straight line to this, but let's see. Who else was in Munich? Eric Bana. Oh, oh. Yeah? Knives Out could be a good way to go because oh. it's a big ensemble. Christopher Plummer. Who are we trying to get to? To uh, Will Smith. Will Smith. Swill Smith. Oh, God. Who else is in Knives Out? T- 
Tony Collette. Jamie Lee Curtis, Tony Collette, oh, uh, yeah. Michael Shannon. Jamie Lee Curtis seems like a good avenue. Yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis to Will Smith. Oh my god. Oh my god. Who else was in Men in Black? Rip Torn. Um Linda Fiorentino. <laughs> that's right. And uh what's the guy's name that's in Full Metal Jacket? Oh, Vincent D'Onofrio. Okay. 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 Uh okay. Are you taking Will the D'Onofrio pass? I am. Will <laughs> I am, and it's gonna be a long journey. Because I'm not even there yet, but I think I'm getting close. Oh no, good, good, good. Will Smith with Tommy Lee Jones. Uh-huh. In Men in Black, with Vincent D'Onofrio, who's in uh, a Full Metal Jacket, uh-huh. with Arlie Ermy. <laughs> I uh, want to say Modine. Matthew Modine, who's in Dark Knight, or is he? He know is he in Dark Knight or, or Dark He's Knight Dark, Rises? He's in Dark Knight. Dark Knight. Is does Christian Bale get us anywhere? Yeah, let's let's take the Christian Bale um, uh, exit. Christian Bale is in Reign of Fire with Matthew McConaughey, and Matthew McConaughey's in The Gentleman with Hugh Grant, or at least in England, or at least in England. Oh, and, and and Hugh Grant's in the uh, Undoing with Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman with Daniel Craig in the Invasion. Now but, I can't remember oh, how we got there. That's great. Yes, you did it. You did it. And I bet you there's a quicker way to get there. No, there. no. <laughs> I feel like that was a very um, uh, because he inspires us all. That was a very PFT Paul F. Tompkins kind of. Vibe I gave back there. Uh, no, no, I bet no, you that, that was the best way. Someone's to do gonna it. just Twitter us that there's a movie with Will Smith and Daniel Craig. <laughs> <laughs> they were in that that um, you know that buddy comedy where they were Siamese twins. <laughs> um, okay, people under the stairs. Yes, I. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Go ahead. Oh, I was just saying. So the Wes Craven piece, where he's at in his career, the people under the stairs doesn't seem like he's trying to launch a new front franchise. <laughs> Whoa! Front- wow! A franchise. Maybe eh? you're not aware that our podcast is important. We say franchise. <laughs> uh, this seems like he's. It's going to be just like one story. Yeah. So I kind of like that he's yeah. like. Not trying to do the shocker thing. It's yeah. just like, I'm going to make one story. That's It's uh, it's like he wants it to be covered by a podcast season doing one-offs. Exactly. He's like, God, uh, if there's ever a podcast, I hope these two cool dudes talk about me. <laughs> Even if I have to email one of them to tell him to put it in his pics. Well, at the very least, I hope one of them visits my house when I'm out of town. <laughs> so this is our third Craven, too, maybe, right? Because we did yeah. Nightmare 1, Nightmare, New Nightmare. New Nightmare. Um, uh, what else? Oh, 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 the other Craven piece that I thought was like interesting was like he does have this thing about like home traps. 
Yeah. And um, oh, yeah. I think there's a cool kind of evolution if you wanted to sort of look at it in that through that lens with his movies. Because Last House on the Left is like a it's justified. Some people kill this person's mm-hmm. daughter, they come into their house, they realize these guys are the bad guys. I'm going to trap them inside my own house and I'm going to kill them. Mm-hmm. Then Nightmare on Elm Street, it's we're, we want to entrap our daughter in our house so she can't escape and get out. So it's like semi-justified, but a little like regressive parenting. like And the Rube Goldberg-esque booby traps and stuff too. In yeah, that. yeah, 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 yeah. And then in this one, it's house as kind of trap. That yeah. you're in, but the parents, quote unquote, are completely unjustified. Yeah, and they actually bring people into their house, or if somebody stumbles in, they they trap them in to kill them. Um, and also this kind of like I like this uh, West Craven parental network he has, which <laughs> is sort of like no matter what, if you're a parent, you're like screwed if you're in one of his movies because it can either be your mm negligent and you don't pay attention to the kids like you should like a nightmare on elm street or you're like <laughs> religious <laughs> and you don't let your kids out of the house or you're afraid they're gonna uh, have sex and you know so you just like trap them in your house like it is i love that wes craven does seem to be like on the kids we talked about it before it's just like a very charming thing yeah. for somebody to like take that position in a horror movie with kids but it makes me wonder was wes craven trapped in a house for a period of time he did say he was like inspired by this story from the news, which is the way Nightmare on Elm Street came about too. He right. heard about somebody who had like such a bad dream they died, or they didn't want to go to sleep because they were having bad dreams. And this was, he read a story about two people breaking into a house to rob it, and then they found out that the people who owned the house were keeping two children trapped inside the house. So these people who came to burglarize ended up being sort of, Heroes. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh my god. Yeah. So the uh, yeah, I don't know if Wes Craven was trapped in his. I think he had maybe religious parents. Hmm. Is maybe what. So maybe there was some sort of mind trap yeah. that he was in. Um, <laughs> but what were you going to say, Gorley? Sorry, I just wanted to get that. I just want you Craven to piece. Of... Turn around to your left and see a squirrel eating at the squirrel picnic table right now. Ah. <sighs> Has he been there the whole no, time? No, he just came up. Look at him. He's so cute. Those big brown eyes. Hi, little guy. I mean, it's tough not to look cute when you're next to a mini picnic table. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, he's sitting on He's sitting right on the actual. I'm going to try to film you this. You to get a picture? Yeah, I'm going to try to get a picture. You guys hear What if this is a, um, like a robotic spy squirrel that Daniel Craig has sent now? Like get us intel on who called him. Oh, that's nice. Will's going over now to pet it. God, he has this sort of like Saint Francis of a sissy quality, where he could just go over to wild animals and they let him pet him. Oh my God, it's screwing up his. I don't know if Robert Downey Jr. should have played Doolittle. It should have been Will Smith. Look at him with the squirrel. Aren't you worried about? He says no. He said, <laughs> "He said I worked with Tommy Lee Jones." <laughs> Very funny, Will. This guy doesn't care about shit. <laughs> All right, I'll let it go. Oh, look at 
Yes. Now it. that's what I want. That's the holy grail. To have. That's the holy grail. <laughs> and then the holiest of holy grails is they toast corn kernels to each other. <laughs> they don't eat the corn, though, I'll tell you that. that the corn is always left because there's a mix of feed. Oh, in terms of um, things I wanted to see with my eye that would have brought me delight. Yeah. I did want, there's a point in the movie where it was like a shot of the hallway. Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping, excuse me, I was hoping that they were going to like do one of those like funny farce things where the doors kind of start opening and different heads pop out oh, in ways yeah. that they couldn't possibly move from room to room. <laughs> I, I wrote, we do have the same notes because I wrote that this is a horror movie disguised as a bedroom farce. It reminded me of these like, types of plays that were so popular in the 80s typically english like noises off um, yeah. uh, black comedy the blue, slamming doors yeah, just bedroom, the bedroom farce. farce and it it has that feel and then it takes these crazy like graphic turns uh tonally strange totally very strange. sort of pseudo sexual turns and yeah i i was left uh scratching my head after and I'm so glad to talk about this movie. First of all, the I tone wanna... is very weird. You're right because it is like there is like a cartoony sounds that are added with the dog. Yeah, and, <laughs> and also there's points where it could get really, really dark. Like when he discovers there's like people trapped inside the base, they like immediately introduce the kooky character who lives in the walls mm -hmm. and the daughter as Roach. a way to kind of be like, yeah. don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. It's not going to get like too dark here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the fact that they're up against each other, like a daddy in leather, well, with that, this crazy but, stuff, with cartoon sounds, it makes for a really weird movie. It yeah. would really shift. And I, I think, I'm so glad. Oh my God. Hi, buddy. <gasps> Hi, buddy. Oh, look at this. Gosh. <laughs> Talk about St. Francis. He's running right over to you, the squirrel. Oh my God. Oh my God. Will just grabbed him and ate him. <laughs> Will. 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 You betrayed that squirrel's trust in you, Will. I am trying to make these squirrels feel at home. Oh, my God. Will's giving a thumbs up while he eats the squirrel. You'd Will. love people under the stairs, Will. Uh, I'm glad we watched this right after Drag Me to Hell because they kind of have similar feels at times. Like mm. you said, it, it does feel like kind of Craven's doing a Raimi thing yeah. here a little bit. But Drag Me to Hell never quite lost sight of its tone. It was really consistent. This one goes from super wacky at times to really dark where there was a point, I want to ask about this because I didn't know if I was like seeing it wrong or something, when the daughter is chained to the basement brick wall and the father comes in in, in the gimp suit mm -hmm. and he kind of like grabs his crotch and like kind of does a like, huh... What what was yeah, that? Yeah, then the mom comes up, the, his sister, and is sort of like, no, 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 leave her. Yeah. And it did seem like there was some, yeah, it was. I mean, you get that in the early 90s, like, that, this is not to say like it was a different time. I'm not doing that. But what I am saying is that the, the um, boundaries between tones was more acceptable comedically in a way like mm -hmm. people didn't get as upset by that thing somehow whether they they did internally I'm sure people did 
but it was societally more acceptable to just joke about that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. So you think like, is that that's supposed to be I took it as kind of like that's supposed to be kind of funny in their eyes. And it was. Yeah. Yeah. The, it did seem like the, the movie is kind of like a long, like sick joke of like the almost like what Married with Children was trying to do or The Simpsons, which is oh, kind of like yeah. take like twist our version of like the American ugh, I'm not saying this and like thinking I'm thinking this is smart or cool or something but it just it does seem to like be like what is the American family and let's twist that and I yeah I, think I know that right. like he looks like Ronald Reagan <laughs> and I know that's intentional like Wes Craven has them calling each other mommy and daddy as like a reference to oh, oh I didn't know that Ronald Reagan and Nancy Reagan wow and yeah it seems to kind of be like there was something going on, some zeitgeisty thing in the late 80s, early 90s, where it was kind of like, let's look back on what was going on in the last, even like the Hot Shots movies. <laughs> They're like spoofing like Top Gun and Rambo and stuff in the early 90s. And I have to feel like, yeah, Mary Children, The Simpsons, Nirvana. There's just something going on where people are kind of like, let's be cool or let's like thumb our nose at whatever was happening in the last well, there's a years. couple references to Desert Storm in this movie, too, which happened that year. Very strange scene where, like, the Scud Missile attack TV, which I'm like... They watch... The people under the stairs are watching it on TV. Which is really Wes Craven going out of his way, because it's like, is he saying that in that moment on live television, America's attacking Kuwait? That happened. I, But, I mean, I know that happened in real life, yeah. but is he saying... Oh, luckily, this. in that very moment <laughs> when he's turning the TV, they're watching the attack. And then when the when fool drops the brick on Daddy, he's like, "It's a smart bomb," and it's oh, just because right. that stuff was so so big in the news. It was the first war that was covered on CNN, so everybody was kind of glued to their to their seats and their TVs watching all this stuff. But it's so irrelevant to this movie, and yet it's included because it's so big in the in the zeitgeist at the time. Yeah, because if this came out in November 91, this would have been, like, shot probably spring of 91 when the invasion yeah. in Iraq was happening. Also, zeitgeisty that they may, weren't necessarily putting their finger on, but, like, this was... Uh, March 91, I think, was when the Rodney King attack happened. Mm. So when you see a lot of these, like, white, racist LAPD cops throughout the movie kind of, like, turning a blind eye to what's going on because this white couple is telling us not to worry about it. Um, <laughs> ah, another squirrel running by. These guys are our friends. Is that the same one? I think it's the same one. I think he just keeps going for there's actual peanuts in their shells in the mix, and so he's getting one at a time. And taking it to his nest. Smart. Very smart. And it's interesting what this movie kind of gets right. It's it's gets right the like socioeconomics of the ghetto versus the haves and the have-nots. Yeah. And yet, tonically, tonally, comedically, sexually, it's it's really Yeah, he doesn't have a handle on that, but it does yeah. seem to be like Wes Craven's heart is in the right. I love sure. like, these guys who are doing in the late, in the 80s and 90s still trying to make progressive yeah horror movies it's it's nice yeah, you can that tell was his, his heart's in the right place really refreshing cuz like you said his kids are usually the good guys and in this one they literally are they're the heroes they're the protagonists yeah. they're just kids and yet this is neither a kids nor an adults movie it's both it felt like 
an after school special yeah. done as a as a like a a horror movie or something. Well, yeah, and you're making me yeah sort of think about like he's asking an audience on a Friday night of people who are theoretically over the age of 17 yeah. to pay for this movie. Because it's our rating, yeah, right? Yeah. It has to be, yeah. He's asking them for an hour and a half plus to identify with a child yeah. as your protagonist, which, like, I mean, that's what's cool about horror movies. People go and they, an hour and a half, they identify with the final girl, you know, so it's not like that's a... a, a, a horror movies are built to kind of do that in a cool way, but, like, yeah, it was, like... Man, you don't see many horror movies where the child is a character and the choice to make him um, pre-pubescent. Mm -hmm. Like, he's not... Like, the weird stuff of, like, in the script where the parents are suspicious that the two of them, the two kids are having sex. There's some of that. Oh, yeah. Which kind of, I thought was maybe, like, supposed to be this kind of, like, bent conservative idea of like they're having sex with each other we gotta stop the kids and they're like are you sure you're so weird is that when he says like I'm gonna cut off his balls yeah yeah um that I did wonder like oh is there maybe a version of the script where it was mm. supposed to be like a 15 year old boy not a cause that's I know then that becomes less threatening because you could kind of go like I don't know a teenage boy could probably take a situation yeah. in their own hands more than a 12 year old boy can um, but, uh, it does feel a little like also in the zeitgeist was like home alone, like watching a child in a house mm -hmm. take on a, a group of baddies mm -hmm. and then a full year, the, when you said smart bomb about the bricks, home alone two has a whole like dropping bricks on the bad guy sequence. So like this movie hmm. predicted that, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's a real movie of its time, and that's that's what I found so interesting in watching it. Yeah, know? the like, it is a very time capsule, right straight down to the like, CNN footage of the Scud missile attack yeah. is like, yeah, yeah. Uh, the um, uh, oh uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, you're right. It looking like a kids commercial. <laughs> An after-school special is like, yeah, that seems to all be in the mix in a weird way. I like when this movie very, very, the second it starts, you get your studio logo and then you are in. And yeah. it really made me miss the days of just getting right into a movie because there's so many logos and slow burns. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, you just go right to tarot cards and learning something about. That was interesting, though. Even though he got his name, the fool, like tarot cards, never really came back up in any. No, I was he named this... the fool because of the tarot card, or was it just like a coincidence yeah. that she was talking? I thought for sure that was something that was going to come back. Yeah, I really did it, and I. But I noticed as soon as she started talking, I was like, I know that's vo that voice, and it was uh, Kelly Joel uh, Minter, who was in Nightmare on Elm Street Five. Yeah. She's uh, Yolanda. She's like, and she's really good in that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah she's awesome in liked um, her. summer school and stuff too. Oh yeah, uh, I love her as an actor. I wish she was in it more. I know, yeah. Uh, but she's the one, yeah, doing the tarot card reading. Um, uh, oh, another zeitgeisty thing too is like, yeah, a year later would be Candyman, which is also a horror movie that takes place about this kind of tension between slums and who's mm -hmm. running the slums and uh so yeah it could also make for a good double feature speaking perhaps. of that i was talking to 
my friend Wade, who's in my band Townland, and who, you know, Townland worked on the theme song for this show. Yes. And he did the keyboards. He's this brilliant musician. And I didn't even catch this. But in our theme song, there is a quote from on the keyboards of Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, and Candyman, all <gasps> hidden in there. What? So Nightmare on Elm Street That's is awesome. in this, it's, you know, it's not in a minor key, so it's a little less recognizable. Uh-huh. But I, I found the the Halloween one. And just, just next time you're listening to the show, keep a, a word out for that. Because we've been working on... Um, turning that theme song into a full song with different lyrics Beautiful. it existed before as a song with different lyrics but now we're writing it yeah one now that at some point will come out but he told me that and it's he's just the that's best awesome of, yeah. i wonder what the little candy man sting is where yeah the, where the hidden sweets of the candy man yeah, is so nod to wade <laughs> um Similarly to what you said, like how the movie gets off and goes, I do think I've watched the first 20 minutes of this movie way more than the last 20 minutes. Interesting. And that first 20 minutes is like gangbusters. It really is. It's like, I, I was like, the first scene is it lays down what the predicament is. The mom's sick. They yeah. need money. Then the next scene is showing who the bad landowners are, the people who are the, and then the landlords. And then it goes back to like sort of this the uh house where they live in where he's like we're gonna go and we're gonna steal co- coins from them yeah. and we're gonna get out of this predicament and i was like man that i do it sounds it's, it's such stark contrast to the rest of the movie that first 20 minutes is so tight yeah and then um it did make me think maybe we've talked about it but I, uh, that philip k dick has this quote where he's like when you're writing like a science fiction or a genre book, you want to have a new idea every 800 words. Oh, wow. And I've thought about it in terms of like genre movies where it's like, I do kind of like in a premise based kind of high concept movie every 10 minutes for a new idea or a new wrinkle to kind of get introduced feels right. And this movie doesn't, do that it's it kind of starts like, that way yeah the, you're yeah. like oh my god they're gonna come up with a new idea to outdo itself and then <laughs> that middle section where it gets really that weird part where like she's getting thrown into a hot bathtub Ooh. and there's like a very gra- more graphic than anything else in the movie where he like cuts open a body and pulls it out to feed people yeah i it, there were new revelations like that they're cannibals but they were <laughs> for these ghouls confusing yeah I watched a little special feature about the shooting of that um, bathtub scene and how you did. Where's yeah. the special feature? Uh, I I watched this on a service called Plex, which um, a listener of the show along cool. uh, this really sweet guy named Stephen. I love Plex. He has it on there, and it's just one of the things that you can watch along with it. So I don't know the origin. Right on, of it. that's awesome. Or I think it's a, I want to say it's like a Shout Factory Blu-ray special feature or something. Um, what did they say about the that scene? Just that they were going to ad lib, and that she, they talked about the technical side of it. That she, the mom was going to pull her dress away from her, so that when she was scrubbing her with a real wire brush, that the dress would be taut, but it wouldn't be against her flesh, so she could kind of like do it and not hurt her. But that they were going to ad lib, and she was going to scream Bible verses, and that's what Wes Craven told him to do. And they were so into it that he kept yelling cut 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 and they couldn't hear him so they kept going on oh that's cool that's a, i love that tidbit yeah um yeah that just that does make me think i wanted to say something about the um the like overprotective religious parents thing like whether it's in this or carrie yeah 
is like really effective for me. Like when I see me it in too. movies, it oh, rattles th- me. This had some Carrie vibes at times just because she's in a white dress with blood and, right. you know. And, and the, the mom, mom who's sort of like accusing her th- of things that her daughter hasn't possibly done, but yeah. the mom seemingly probably has. Yeah, with yeah. her brother. Yeah. So do you want to... That's interesting, like the way they keep uncovering, it goes, you think they're married, then they're like, no, no, they're not married. Oh, no, they're actually brother and sister. Yeah. Do you think there's something romantic going on, that they are, it is sexual? Yeah. Because they don't uh, ever show them That's true, each they other. never do, but I think that is the least of their depravity, because <laughs> they are cannibals, and I believe child molesters, or at least yeah. the father is, so... Racists? Racists, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, kidnappers, murderers. Yeah. So I do think sibling incest is the least of the... I, it just seems crazy to say, but that's the least of their infractions. But it is funny. The, the movie kind of makes that joke with... Uh, it's like a satire where she's like saying caca and stuff. Like the mom won't say shit. I, I laughed like, out loud at that point because I haven't heard the word caca in so long and it made me think i've missed that word i and i love that joke it's it comes up in movies where it'll be like it's in misery too it's like the person who is committing murder and i think it's funny because it's true where you just sort of go like whatever the weird kind of (laughs) like uh uh religious right grandstanding that was going on really for the last like 15 years in that period in the country of just like the anger and rage that's behind that oh, yeah. <laughs> as oh, opposed yeah. to like actually trying to uh, figure out what, what the problem here is and are we going to all solve it together? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Uh, um, oh, the um, that thing that the parents are from Twin Peaks and the daughter's from My So-Called Life, which is kind of this weird like ABC network casting of this oh, yeah. movie. But I... Um, there was something interesting going on in kind of horror and thriller movies at that point, which was like, I like it when a TV show kind of becomes a sensation and then those actors pop up in movies for a couple of years, but then not so much yeah. like, but after twin peaks, there's this movie, there's the movie sleepwalkers, oh. which has an actor from twin peaks. That's like a horror movie. Mm-hmm. And then, um, the temp, with Lara Flynn Boyle came out around this time too. Oh, I forgot about from, that movie. From, it's pretty good from Twin Peaks. That could be a potential one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Timothy I mean, Hutton is a man who gets oh. his balls in a vice because a, 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 this sex case temp comes in and turns his world around. Oh my God. <laughs> I watched it the last year. I think I actually watched it in quarantine. Wow. But uh, it's kind of a funny, th- I just like think it's like a f- weird thing that happens in show business where it'll be like, Twin Peaks is a show that has scary elements. So let's take those actors yeah. and put them in scary movies for the next year. It's, it's like, crazy what? how broadly you can be typecast just, yeah. just for yeah one thing. You As did. opposed to people being like, oh, that's a cool show. Those are cool actors. Let's put them in cool things. Yeah, It's like, no, we'll just keep putting them in. Uh, yeah. These guys look like cookie cutter Americans, but they're actually <laughs> twisted. It's like the most one to one. And then the bad Ronald of it all. 
I have bad Ronald in my notes too. Hey, all right. Yeah. Should you? Should we let people know? Maybe some people don't. Yeah, I I think you should expound on it because I remember it just as it was a TV movie, right? Yeah. And a kid is living in the walls of a house that new people come to live in. Yeah. And he killed his dad, and he just basically raids the fridge at night while they're sleeping. <laughs> the what am I remembering dream. wrong? I know. <laughs> And borrows her car. <laughs> uh, yeah, I first saw it because. Do you remember Jerry's video in Los Feliz? It was like at the no. corner of, um, uh, like Franklin and Hillhurst. But I bet it's where a, a lot of movie nerds would go and get their movies because it was just a video store stuffed with videos. It was just like crammed, uh-huh. and they had Bad Ronald on tape, mm. and you had to um, put down like a fifty dollar deposit. Because people knew that that would be like an ironic hipster, like yeah, treasure. And it's just like you got to come back and get your fifty dollars if you're going to rent this movie because it was rare too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think they were worried somebody might just keep Bad Ronald because it was hard to get your hands on. Yeah, um, I'm but, surprised someone didn't take it and just for fifty bucks, you know, some yes, some like kind of up and coming yeah hip comic who wanted to have right. friends over weekly and watch look at this look what i stole from the man yeah jerry's video (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah no totally i'm surprised nobody did um but that's how i saw it and it was like a it's um yeah it's like a uh you think the story could be told where it's like a family goes in and they slowly uncover somebody's living in their walls but it's cool how they do it it's like mother and son living together the son accidentally kills a bully and the mom is like this Norma, Norma Bates type. Oh, I'm remembering it differently. Wow. And so she puts him inside the wall of the house to protect him. What are these houses that have walls big enough to walk in? Is that a movie thing or is that a real thing? Uh, I wish it was a house I could own and live in. I know. In. Ever since I was a kid, I wanted a house with secret tunnels. That's part, 90% of why I, I like people under the stairs is I get to watch secret tunnel shit. And Webster. I know. <laughs> I really want that because... If you'll notice, my office door is open right now. Yeah. Something died in the walls of our house, and for the past week, it is so bad in there that I, like when I edit or whatever, I have to have all the windows open and the doors open. That happened and, to me like a few years ago. And there's nothing the you can do. You yeah. just have to let it, you have to ride it out. And so for all I know, Roach is crawling around in there. <laughs> well, Roach is the bad Ronald of yes, this, I guess. he's yeah. good, good yeah. Ronald. Yeah. Oh, but the mom dies. Okay. And then he's stuck in the house, in the walls. He's stuck in there? Uh, Or he just has nowhere to go. Yeah, because his mom was looking out for him. He's kind of like almost feral or something. And then this other family moves in. And then, I don't know what Bad Ronald really does after that. I think he just kind of creeps out the family. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But, uh, uh, and then that's, yeah. um, I think now it can be spoiled. Parasite has some Bad Ronald and kind of people under the stairs vibes. Right. Because there's also another one we t- we actually talked about this on the Conan yes. podcast. The 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 boy or uh, 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 the boy the boy has a idea that it's like people moving around inside a. That's a whole genre. So, d- God, too bad we kind of used this because we could have done <laughs> people living in your house. Well, you know, I flowers I, in the attic. I was trying to do a little analysis of like what do I like about <laughs> the hidden tunnels inside houses and stuff. What do I like when I see that in a movie? I do too. Or why did I want that so badly as a kid? I would yeah. fantasize about, like, what if I found... I know. And I think it's, like, um, I think it's the same reason when I was a kid, I like going to Disneyland or something. This kind of, like, thought that there's something... More than meets the eye. Yes. Yeah. 
And there's something behind the thing you see every day. Yeah, and that you could discover it. And then if you wanted to keep it a secret, it could be your own little secret yeah. garden. And I think then, you know, the movie kind of like takes that up where it's like in a sort of blue velvet way of kind of like the like, oh, underneath the picket fence, there's a bunch of crazy animals all scurrying yeah. around. Like it works metaphorically, I think, that like, oh, the people inside the walls, it, it could easily be the house you're driving by, the Nightmare on Elm Street or whatever. It's like, it looks like a normal house, but there's crazy shit going on beneath. I think that when you're a kid sort of is appealing or even as an adult, I drive by houses and you're just like, what sword, sordid shit is going on there that I, I just know. don't know about? It's I kind know. of like a weird... Well, just the concept of this, that that there's... The people under the stairs is actually the people in the cellar, if we're really getting down to it. But, <laughs> yes. But that one of them has escaped and that the house is so secure that they he can't get out of the house, but he freely roams the walls that they can't get into. Yeah. Why can't the dog go in and just kill Roach? They let the dog in once and then... He has a little technique. Yes, to... Oh, that little shoot. That was pretty amazing. Oh, my God. When the shoot shot out into the kitchen, I was like, <laughs> I know. That wild. One of the what a wild moments. movie. But oh. if you watch Last House on the Left, there's scenes where, like, a cop is walking around and they add, like, it's like Halloween 5. Oh, it's yeah. Like, do, 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 bang, bang. <laughs> I, I always weird... forget about that in Halloween 5. <laughs> it's funnier when you do it. <laughs> I see the Halloween five and we're like, okay. <laughs> when you do it, I'm cracking. Can I just take you through? I wrote down some of the lines that Ving Rhames has in this. So <laughs> I wrote down one that I'm looking at right now. I've got three in a row. There's a little bit of vulgarity coming, so plug your I lily exactly. whites. But they're just so <laughs> colorful. All right, here we go. Yeah, and maybe the president is going to make me secretary of pussy. That's the one I wrote. Too old to tit, too young to get ass. Too old to get tit, too young to get ass. Yes. I done busted this house's cherry. Aww. Incredible. Those are beautiful turns of phrase. <laughs> this is also a, a big few years for um, Bing Rames and Gimp Guy movies. <laughs> yes. Do you think Bing Rames? Gourley! I've seen Pulp Fiction many times. Yeah. I've seen The People Under the Stairs many times. I've never put it together that when Ving Rhames is meeting the gimp, it's like he should be looking at the guy from <laughs> the dad from People Under the Stairs. He'd be like, oh, that's why he kills him. Yes. He wants He's to like, kill him. Finally, revenge. I can get on this guy. <laughs> what do you think? Is there a utilitarian purpose to the gimp outfit and the People Under the Stairs? I No, I don't think so because... I can't. Not that I. Not that they showed us, unless I missed it. But I think it. It is really just a shortcut and a way to say that this guy, he's a bad guy, so he must be sexually kinky, mm. and in this case, perverted and deviant. And also, like they then, I think that backs up what I think I saw when he was going to do something with the daughter. Like mm -hmm. he's just obviously, he's a bad guy, so he's got to be twisted and yeah. sexual, and you know, it's like how they always, you know, like. It wasn't so long ago that if you were gay in a movie, you were a, like usually a deviant character or a bad character because that automatically, like, yeah, a monster character yeah. in people's eyes, yeah, yeah, or in the filmmaker's right. yeah vision. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I wrote down that line too. I also wrote down her. 
I always remember this cadence. She says to the phony meter reader, passed it on the way up the drive. Like, I want to say <laughs> that, that to people all the time. You yeah. can. But I, it was shocking to me. I wrote passed it on the way to the drive because I'm like, why do I always remember that? It's funny but I never remember president that might make me the secretary of pussy. <laughs> <laughs> like, I wrote that down. How do I not? Now, that is a... Uh, a sentiment and a word that I do not enjoy, but that is some good writing for a character. Because <laughs> that is also good a writing. funny line. You know what's also good writing? Yeah. When a uh, fool has to um, uh, get the dog to chase after him. Yeah. And so, you know, you say something insulting to a dog to get it to chase <laughs> the you. The dog will take offense. He says, hey, fuzzball, your mama sleeps with a cat. <laughs> I just love that, Which, that it's the most wholesome like yeah. Disney line yeah, ever. Because dogs hate cats and cats hate dogs. My mom sleeps with a cat. Oh my god. Rough. Um so the dog piece of this <laughs> yes. um first of all, I never really buy it when a dog is supposed to be scary in a movie because I kinda I love dogs so much, I just imagine a character at any point could just go like, come here, you old butt, and yeah. just start like petting them, and they'd be like, okay, well, yeah, you're my friend now. Because the not- dog's never evil, unless yes. I guess maybe it's Cujo, but even then it's just rabid. The dog's either doing what it's trained to do or what it instinctually wants to do. It's not Yeah, bad. anybody could change who his master is at yeah. any point. If you just had like a big thing of sausage links, you're like... Yeah, or a human rib. <laughs> it reminded me of, uh, I had a friend, Jamal, uh who hated the movie The Day After Tomorrow. Oh, wow. Because it made wolves look meaner than they actually are. <laughs> he was like a big animal rights oh, guy. Oh, man, I hate like, to show Wolves the wouldn't gray. do that. They wouldn't go and intentionally attack people. <laughs> That's the line in the sand for him. That's his battle he's choosing. Wow. Wow. But I, yeah, I don't like also seeing dogs kind of get roughed around in movies and stuff. I, it was not... Uh, it did not feel good to see this this purportedly bad dog die in this movie. It didn't. It didn't mm. feel like a victory at all. It felt no. like, oh, that dog's just as much a victim as these kids. Yes, I think it is what you said previously, which is a dog's just trained is doing what it was trained to yeah. do. So you do feel a little. It's like seeing a henchman die. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I I remembered one other thing. Um, the dad also smells the kids' shorts. <sighs> So that that had another feeling. That was of, unseemly. It yeah. seemed like part also like bloodhound. It also felt like the actor improvised it on the day. And <laughs> that seems like the type of guy. And Wes Craven was like the editing room was like, We did about five takes of this. Can we see if we did one where he's not sniffing it? Oh, and all the other ones he's sniffing more. <laughs> <laughs> the where he grabs his crotch in the gimp suit is like that's the tame one. <laughs> He yes, did one yes, where he did the yes. full like pelvis lunge. <laughs> well, you just did a kind of a Jim Carrey esque move, and I know <laughs> in the movie he, there's a part where he has a very James James Cameron, uh, James Carrey. Uh, I wrote it down. He says, he, "Yeah, that's not oh. surprising." Oh, it's when he kills the dog. He uh, when he thinks he killed um, fool. That he actually killed the dog. He goes, mm, gotcha. <laughs> All righty then. Stop me. Smoking. <laughs> so, Gorley, you were, if I'm doing the timeline right, 
you were maybe a senior in college when Carrie Fever was hitting. Yeah. See, so that was not your bag, man. That was not the demographic. <laughs> and I was, you know, like at the time doing improv comedy. And so it's not Jim Carrey's fault. He just came of Oof. age as a as a star when I was not. Like you just you you yeah. So you'd see a lot of people in improv being oh, pull out the carry. Yeah. Well, and, was it the like? Uh, I know I remember seeing a lot the like I'm gagging. Yeah. The, like I'm yeah. doing the Jim Carrey gagging thing yeah. was like a big thing. Oh, and and so we I was in this this improv group that would teach all over at high schools. So the high school kids especially were like had. <sighs> That and I well, that was get my it. experience because when I was high school, I was doing like Hans and Franz in improv, yeah, you know. But yeah. in my junior high, early high school years, it was in every school, there's a Jim Carrey kid, yeah. who acts like Jim Carrey, yeah, <laughs> that's his personality, yep, yep, <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> but to see it, yeah, there was also um, a real big hack thing I hate seeing, like, you don't see it so much in the era, was the like, um. The big husky guy who, while dancing, rubs his nipples. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, like, kind of fat yeah. bastard joke. Yeah. Yeah, that was also <laughs> a thing you would see, and you're like, oh, I like that. Stop it. I don't even like it when the funny people do it. <laughs> I only like it when people do it unironically, when a big, large man is trying to tempt me. I love it. Well, you did comedy sports, right? Yeah. Uh -huh. So was that, that would have been 90, you were doing Well, I that. started in high school as like a high school program where you'd compete against other schools like compete it wasn't mm -hmm. really but it was done under the guise of like a varsity sport and then that and then i got into it for lack of a better term professionally like the, mm -hmm. the, the hollywood version of it yeah meaning the theater was in hollywood not that it was hollywood <laughs> hey you can say you're working in hollywood at that point <laughs> and it, it is the improv group that all the other improv groups disdain and i've come to realize even more recently how silly that is because for one thing they're it was all dorks yeah, yeah we're all dorks and it really like it's really short form and people there tends to be a like frowning on short form but get over it Come i know on, guys. I, and like prefer long form short form whatever prefer both who cares yes but exactly. the thing that i really learned because there was a brown bag foul if you said anything vulgar or offensive you would get a the ref would blow a whistle and you get brown a brown bag put over your head stupid as hell for the show but it taught me that like you couldn't use any of that shock value stuff as a crutch and i learned so much from it and i learned so much from the short form thing yes. it's the whole reason like super egos the way it was formatted totally there's so much value yeah. in it and i remember seeing comedy sports when i was in uh it would have been the summer of 95 i went on a trip with a friend my friend uh rick uh, and we saw a couple comedy sports when we were bopping around Wisconsin. And I remember being relieved they had that joke, that rule, uh -huh. because I could sit with m my friend's parents and other adults and not be like, I'm going to hear something that's going to be so yeah, gross yeah. and dirty it's real in front of my friend's parents. Like, it was a relief. <laughs> it was like a guarantee of like a PG rating or a PG-13 yeah. rating. Before you shared the paper bag story, I did think uh, I, when I went and I saw it, I went one night and um, uh, there was pa there was a paper bag on. They put it on an audience member's head. Yeah, because if an audience member suggested yeah. something, they would get yeah. paper bag. <laughs> and it's crazy, like who came out of this era of comedy sports 
Dan Harmon, Rob Schraub, Chris Tallman, who's a brilliant improviser, my super ego friends. Like it, it, it is weird how, who found their way to comedy sports. And I think it's because most people didn't start improv in LA and there wasn't yeah. a lot of comedy sports spread like a virus because <laughs> it was in so many cities. So it was the on like entryway to yeah. for so many people in improv who then probably later went on to second city improv olympic and then even ucb if they were still doing it at that time but yeah but the like um yeah it feels a little bit like it's a comedy is ice cream and yeah. there's all kinds yeah. of different flavors yeah. and sometimes it's fun to put one flavor with another flavor and yeah. sometimes people like it but it's all ice cream. It's all there for the purpose of making you happy. So what's wrong with any of it? Yeah, and yeah. to be clear, comedy sports was the uh, uh, super sweet vanilla of improv. <laughs> you know, like it was just, just straight down the <laughs> it's middle. Like we're, yeah. But it's still ice cream. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It was like a... When your parents take you to a steak place that's for like 10 year olds to enjoy steak. <laughs> and it comes in a little like pewter chalice, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Or like whatever. Yeah. I guess it's silver, but not quite. But you know what? I was thinking about comedy sports just three days ago because I was listening to some Phil Spector and uh, the Do Run How Run came this on. Oh, yes. And the I was game. like, I remember the Do Run Run yeah. game comedy sports. Oh, my God. I, 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 there was a time because we would do that. When I worked at Disney, we did this improv show on that California Adventure stage, and we would play. Did oh, you that's run, good run. training for Disney, and vice versa. Oh yeah, and, and the, yeah. the the marriage between those two worlds ah, was huge. Like I bet most so. of the people at Disney were from comedy sports, because the guy who kind of figured that show out brought us all in from comedy sports, because he was comedy sports. Oh, that's great. Yeah, did you run around? God, that improv. You just get someone's first one syllable name usually from the audience, like like Paul. Yeah. And you would just rhyme person after person until someone couldn't rhyme. So I met him on a Sunday and his name was Paul. I do run, 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 to do run, run. He loved playing with a basketball. I do run, run. And, and everybody just keep going. I do, do, do. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. There was the password. I do, do, do. And he's really tall. Do, do, do. He's not very small. Uh, da, da, da. Listen up, you all. I uh, do run, run, run. Da, and the do, person run. who got stuck with having to do the three. Yeah. Because the, the first, yes. it would go down the line. Yeah, that's and right. And then if, you, if it was somebody who had a difficult name. I know. And it's good to the third, the person is going to have to do three. Yeah, Harriet. I'm at around my name's Harriet. She'd get, find a treasure and bury it. You know, like you had to get really. Oh, yes. And I loved that game. Me too. I mean, uh, yeah. as an audience member, I loved it. And, uh. It uh, <laughs> it's so funny, and it, like it um, it speaks to like the power of when you're like a when I I was like seventh or eighth grade, and so I was just like such a sponge for. I remember every joke I heard <laughs> during that time period when I was like so getting jazzed on comedy, yeah. and, stuff. and uh, I still remember they came they got onto this funny like bit where they kept using the same intro line for everybody. So, uh, and I remember it finally crystallized with somebody was Bill uh-huh. and they went, I met him at church and his name was Bill. And we would all laugh because they kept <laughs> repeating the opening line. I met him at church. And it, like, it's so funny that like, I've seen practically every Woody Allen movie. I can't remember every joke in a Woody Allen movie, but I remember these, <laughs> like the joke that these seven doofuses came up with. <laughs> I love it. It's beautiful. I, I love what sticks in people's minds. Like you were saying about how that way that woman d- 
delivers that line <laughs> yes. in this movie is just the musicality of you yeah. of it stays with you. Yeah, that's why you. Uh, that's why you hire <laughs> those actors yep. just to that's say right. a line in a weird way. <laughs> hey, listen, I have to do another pee pool. Hey, I got to do a stuff. line in a weird way, a golden <laughs> one into a toilet. It better be weird. We'll be right back. With and We're back. We're back. I've been really uh, into drinking Coca Cola lately, Gorley. Really? That yeah. sounds uh, it's been I, a nice, I, sweet treat. God, I miss it. I've given up uh, those kind of things, and uh, occasionally, though, I will have one. And boy, when I do. Wow. Save it uh, for a hot day. Yeah. Yeah, you know, with a hot dog. The pause that refreshes. <laughs> um, so, um, I, I think in addition to the, the uh, Home Alone elements, there's some Die Hard. Just looking at that note, I have, come out to the coast, we'll get together, have a few laughs when he's crawling through the duct. Yeah. I wanted him to say that so badly. <laughs> I I thought I I was proud of this movie. I was like, they waited a full hour before they put somebody in a vent. Like <laughs> this era of movies, they were putting people in vents left and right after Die Hard. Yeah, and they waited. They had the they knew we couldn't go right to the vent. It was a real air duct decade. But if he was walking through it, going, yeah, come out to this weird house, find some gold coins. Come out to the house, live in the walls, find some gold coins. Now, I will say this movie, we'll maybe get to it or we're at this, but like, uh, Die Hard doesn't make the choice to cut all tension by <laughs> when there's a half hour left, he escapes from the building and runs off and goes talks to other people and then, then comes, comes back. back. I know. That that did let the air out a little bit. Odd moment of this movie. I mean, at the same time, I'm like, I get sick of them being in that house the whole time, so I'm happy, yeah. but like, figure out new things to do in the house. And it was interesting, their plan to get back in was using both the grandpa and the sister and then didn't really work and yeah, kind of well, did but it was just yeah interesting idea i wanted to ask you do you think that was it was always part of the plan that the cops weren't likely going to solve it and that he was How trusting know that, a door will be left open i'll go in or was it just like hey i'm gonna hope that the cops go and find out that there is child abuse going on here they close just, the case i can't imagine that he'd come home tell his grandpa and sister and they'd be like well You'd better also, as a contingency plan, get in there because they're likely going to hide it. I mean, maybe, yeah. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. That was interesting. That was when the movie got a little twisted and convoluted for me. Not not like I couldn't follow it, but just felt no, like, you know, it's hard to, to really get a good third act of a, of a movie. Like a good comedy and a good horror movie kind of is like set up and punchline yeah. and and to how many horror Escalating. movies are there with a good ending they're just rare yeah. so not that this one's bad because it it doesn't rely on a twist so it's helped in that way well you know what i realized too like we're um we're encountering what you encounter all the time with genre movies or horror movies but we never had to previously because they were franchises because mm. it was always just like the same idea and we're just like yeah. arguing whether it fulfilled the rules of the franchise or not but 
This happens, I'd say, eight out of ten times with every horror, sci-fi, fantasy movie you watch, which is just like, the premise is great, mm-hmm. so the first half hour is great mm-hmm. because they're getting into the premise, and then what separates the men from the boys or the women from the girls is, can you... Like I, I think any time a movie, a genre movie is really great, it was because it's like Gremlins or something where it was just like... uh it couldn't just rest on the premise alone. It had mm-hmm. to like keep pushing the yeah. idea further and further. And yeah, I'd say probably the lowest point of this movie is like, there's that part where like <laughs> the daughter drops out of the ceiling and then they have to speed up the footage to like show her banging the mom's head on the <laughs> yeah, floor. Was I was like, Ooh, this is, you did this is not your favorite part of the movie. No, I will say this about the movie. I had no idea where it was going at every turn. <laughs> right. No idea. And, and for better or for worse, I didn't expect Roach to die at all. I thought for sure no, he was going to be. No, I know. Now, I've seen I it a lot. I was always surprised. Strange yeah. story. It's just a quick little side note that I used to listen to Mark and Brian. I think we talked about this on the show before because they were in uh, Jason Goes to yeah. Hell. They radio DJs in L.A. that, you know, like around the time of the rise of Howard Stern, they got eventually eclipsed by him. But he actually did like a funeral for them because he was <laughs> uh, <he's> a horrible person. <laughs> Anyway, I really like them. They can't put their kids through school now. <laughs> I know. Suckers. I know. <laughs> I love them, and they were L.A., KLOS. And I don't remember what the context was, but Sean Whalen, who played Roach, was their guest one morning. What? And the whole conversation, because there was like... Where Howard Stern was kind of cynical, these, these guys were always nice to their guests. Mm. So they would always build them up. And... They just spent the whole time kind of going, trust us, listeners, you you know who this guy is. He's been in a ton of movies because he has it, that he was in so many but movies in the 90s. Say, like, well, he's that really weird looking. Yes, yes, they exactly. They'd say his name and you know him from Twister, you know him from this, this, and this. You trust me, you'd know him, but they're just dancing around <laughs> the fact that so he's a strange sweet. looking guy. And he, he was such a nice guy too, such a great guest, and it was just this warm little moment. And I don't know why I remember it. I almost think... He was the friend of a bigger guest that was in that day, and he was just sitting there. And they kind of went, "Don't we know you from something?" So I can't yeah, remember. I'm a twister. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, yeah. I'm Roach from the people under the stairs. Oh, oh with the cut, cut tongue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> no, I know that actor from Jury Duty. He's he's the <sighs> he's the killer on trial. Mm. Um. The one of the members of the jury doesn't take his job very seriously for a good portion of that movie, but then at the end he does. Okay. Um, <laughs> hey, no editorializing. <laughs> Let me watch the movie. Uh, I told Leslie this a few days ago, so I'll tell you since we're talking about a Pauly Shore movie right mm-hmm. now. My favorite part of any any movie is this moment that happens in uh, Son-in-Law. Okay. Uh, I love Pauly Shore movies from them. They're really great. I believe it. <laughs> and uh, I believe that you like them, Paul. <laughs> no problem with that. He, my favorite is the like turn where the person who didn't like the funny wild character of the movie not only now likes him, they're starting <laughs> to act like him too. And, and the son-in-law, uh, the dad who's like, Paulie Shore's never going to be who my plays son-in-law. The dad? At the very end, the dad, when they're sitting down for dinner, the dad goes, now let's chew on some major grandish. <laughs> who plays the dad? Uh, he's that actor who was, um, well, I know him from 
Uh, he's the Perry White in the Lois and Clark TV show, oh. um, the 90s Superman show. Yeah. You would know this guy if you saw him. I'll look it up. Um, he, he, he might still be alive, but he was, if you needed like a conservative senator or a conservative dad. I'm picturing someone. Um, um, he... And yeah, if people haven't watched The People Under the Stairs, you would know the actor who plays Roach. Yeah. I know him also from- being from... the guest on Mark and Brian. <laughs> I know him from that milk commercial that like, oh, I think Michael yes. Bay directed. Yeah. The burr. It's uh, Walter Warner. Oh yeah, I recognize What do you guy. know him from? What's your... The grandpa from Son-in-Law is character actor of character actors. He's like the guy who's like... Uh, Cadbury Bunny oh, Mason Adams is yeah. that guy. Oh yeah. Walter Warner, I know I know I recognize him. I have to look up his filmography. Oh, Red Dawn. He's uh, the mayor in Red yeah, Dawn. Yeah, That's where I know him. Is from. he still with us? Um no, he died in, in two thousand five. He's only sixty nine. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what? He oh, died of- he died in a sex move. <laughs> in a sex position. Uh Speaking of, uh, you said 2005, that reminded me there's a line in this movie where the grandpa with the gold coin says, with these gold coins, you can pay your rent until the year 2000. Yeah. And I did the math. I was like, okay, 91, nine. Uh, but I did think, like, funny of you was like, you can pay your rent until the year 2000 when that voting snafu will happen in Florida. Oh. Like, what? And Well, you can pay your rent, but money will be worth nothing because of Y2K. You'll have huh, plenty of grandpa? money left over. And he's like, don't even get me started on the financial crisis of 08. That's really going to make housing difficult. No straw, Grampy? And that real estate tycoon's going to be running the show. Oh, no, not... Oh, who's another real estate tycoon? <laughs> I watched you paint yourself into that corner. Oh, my God. Oh, you mean... Century twenty local century twenty one representative <laughs> Linda Spielman. Yes, I don't get them all right. Oh my gosh, Gorley, is there a cooler logo than the Century Twenty One logo? That's pretty good. Whew. What's your favorite? I um, I I got a Leslie as uh, a birthday present a couple years ago. Got me a coffee table book of um, Saul Bass oh. um, design work that he did. That was all of his non. Film stuff. Oh. So it was just like his designs he would do for oh. like Girl Scouts and stuff. Ooh. But he had some really good. Oh, I'll bet. Really Gosh, good. Gosh, favorite logos. I mean, there's a lot of retro ones I love. I love that 70s Warner Brothers one that's just like two ovals and a dot. Yeah, all bass. Ah, uh, that makes sense. That that worm. I love yeah. it. I, w- oh, I look online and they're. You can find that logo on new shirts. But man, I would kill for an old style oh, Warner Brothers logo yeah. t shirt. Leslie, my wife, my lovely wife, she looks for me. She, oh, that's she's nice. got her thumb on the, the old T-shirts. Could, you, you'd think you could have one printed. You don't want a new one. You you want a vintage one. Yeah, I it's understand. A, it's a tall. There was I never bought it because it was so expensive. But there was a 1941 crew shirt. Oh the my movie, god! 1941. Wow. And it was cool. It said 1941 and going and going and going and it was like the crew's joke about how the movie was taking so long to shoot. Oh wow. Yeah, you know what a modern logo I like for some reason is Patio World. It's just 
I, I know I'm looking off. Oh, no, no. I thought like you had a box of it. No, I don't own a single piece of patio world. What's the patio furniture. world? Though, it's like... just like an umbrella and the word patio, the words patio world. But it's the just association like, maybe too. I guess. But the it's like a Palatino font, which I find really pleasing. And there's something about the perspective. It's just done really well. Where the opposite of that is the logo for the Seventh-day Adventist church, which has a cross that's out of perspective. And it it just... I have a sort of OCD with perspective and dimension, and I, I every time I see it, I'm like, no, I don't, yeah, it could exist I, in real life, but it would be the wonkiest looking thing if this was a three dimensional cross. Did you ever hear the cool um, idea that Spielberg had for Close Encounters that he couldn't execute, but it was supposed to be that the spaceships at the end would be disparate shapes, colored shapes, but then they would come together to form like the Chevron logo. Oh yeah, because it was like. The idea that aliens only know us through corporate trademarks. And so they're like, the way they come to us to be like, we come in peace is like, we're Chevron. Don't worry. Oh, God. And it's such a beautiful Spielberg idea, too, of like, (laughs) corporate logos can be friends. I know. Like, we're all. (laughs) The 80s. The 80s were even liberals were capital, like, just full-on capitalist swine. Well, and bringing it back to the people under the stairs, it does feel like whatever was happening here in the early part of this decade people were a little bit more open to i mean within a year clinton would be elected yeah um i don't know this seems like a very like a liberal horror movie yeah uh it 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 doesn't seem i mean like literally the movie ending with like the bad people's house that holds the money blows up and rains money down on the people. It's interesting. <laughs> like I was like, I don't know if this is like a fantasy, if this is like Wes Craven's idea of how we should go about this. <laughs> yeah, it's a strange transition because, you know, the first, the last couple of years of a decade and the first couple of years of a decade, they're all gray yes. area. They bleed over. Yeah. So like the fact that guns factor so heavy in this movie too is a real 80s holdover because I found it kind of strange in a horror movie to have like a guy it. shooting guns the whole time. You you kind of want, it's scarier to have knives and stuff yes. like that. But this is, he's so, it just feels so influenced by Rambo and Terminator. He also has a shotgun with a bayonet. There's no such thing. <laughs> Because shotgun pellets spread out, and they're gonna hit the you're gonna blade. Off the bayonet. Yeah, blade. <laughs> it's so funny. But I mean, that doesn't <sighs> feel like a misstep so much as a choice that makes me laugh. It's, yeah. it's another weird choice in this movie that I wrote down though that I didn't like him having a gun. It seemed yeah. like yeah, in horror movies, it's just it's not interesting ever. I mean, yeah. yeah, it does seem to me maybe. I feel like guns in movies are kind of at their least popular. They've been in probably a long time, right? I think it's probably definitely correlating yeah. to the society we're Just living not in. not cool and anymore. That, that, you know, movies are often made by people on the left side of things, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think... But they look at least the fetishizing of the guns. Yeah. There's guns in movies, for sure. But, the, I mean, the 80s was like... It might as well have been like a dildo. You know, yeah. I mean, those guns were yeah. shot. Oh, like, I remember we, if you went to the action movie section at a video store and looked at the covers of all the boxes, it wasn't, is there a gun on the cover? No. It's like, how many guns will be on the cover? That's why I know how to draw every gun from the 80s, because I was so into that as a kid. Not that I was into guns. I was just into that thing, and I found I was, I was on a podcast, not talking, let's just say. 
but I was on a session uh-huh. and I found I was drawing every gun from the 80s because I had just retreated inside <laughs> myself and I had I drew an RPG an AK-47 <laughs> an M16 a scorpion and I don't remember what else and I'm like what am I doing oh man the amount of grenades I watched I drew with like a blade coming out of it <laughs> <laughs> I love that I love that um so we haven't even talked about Fabio yes Yes. We both call him Fabio. It's crazy. It's weird because, yeah, he's a ghoul in every respect. There's a couple Fabios. I feel like there's... Yeah. But I watched another special feature thing where they talked about that guy and making the prosthetics and just that he had this wonderful... And the guy... I think it's a makeup guy. I didn't recognize him or something. It was like a uh-huh. first AD and he was talking to like, you know, and this was the time when guys had... Uh, it was a bit of a holdover from the 80s, but they just had this beautiful long hair. Oh, Nelson. Hair. Nelson the band. Remember the Nelson twins? Oh, they yeah. Had that like yeah. big long, yeah. Yeah, and Fabio and the guy, one of the terrorists in Die Hard that looks like Fabio. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, th- there was just that hair where it's not a mullet anymore. It's all kind of one length, but it's also pushed up and back a little bit like it's styled and yeah so this guy under the stairs has been under the stairs long enough for his clothes to rot and his face to morph and change and his eyes to go hugely black but his hair is impeccable <laughs> well yeah i just realized as you were sharing this i was like oh it's supposed to be that his hair's grown out because he's been down there for so long but it's funny that it's like Vidal Sassooned up. But like, the other clue to that... It's not matted or gross. It's like beautiful. The other clue to that is when Fool is talking to him saying, you can go outside and you'll have this, this, and women. <laughs> I thought that was so, so weird. It implies that Fool recognizes like this is a relatively young guy in the prime of his life with great hair <laughs> who would otherwise be just crushing it. He's like, dude, <laughs> learn to play guitar moderately well. And just like get in a band and you'll be fine. Yeah, I thought that was funny too. When he was like, it was, you'll get out there, you'll see the sun, the birds, and the women or the ladies. And I was was like, weird. This little boy's concerned about this ghoul getting laid. (laughs) He's like, don't worry, ghoul. And then we're gonna get laid. When the people in front of the stairs do escape the house, when all the other neighbors are going for the money, there is a shot of him in the foreground, just kind of like looking out, like he's heading out into the streets, and you just have this feeling like. I'm going to get a date. Get <laughs> oh, a boy, date. I hope it's Sadie Hawkins' date. <laughs> oh, he shouldn't, because I don't think he's going to get asked to any dances. <laughs> we have to have the same shirt. What, do you have a torn up sweater? I know, when he came out, it almost like, the way it ends, it almost seems to be like, and now this is his story. I We're know. We're going to find out in the sequel what the person under the stairs like became. There should be a sequel. It's set in 2000 when um, Fool can no longer pay rent because his <laughs> money, will, it ran out on January 1st, and he's got to go back. But then he, he goes and he finds that guy, and he got like a late 90s like Caesar cut. He's like, no, no, you blew it. You had that beautiful, gorgeous hair. And you clooneyed it. For what, a trend? It's popular right now, and he's just same face, but surrounded by women. <laughs> um, I also thought, like, the um, they probably chose them to be the ghouls because, yes, they're long hair, and also you can make them look more sun depleted. Yeah. But I felt like it, it goes against kind of the idea of the movie that they were these, like, 
muscular blonde white guys like i think the movie would have had way more kind of metaphorical impact if the end the person who's like looking up at the sky and being like i'm out of this would have been like uh who fool could have been like a, a grown uh black character who is now getting to experience freedom it was just sort of like a weird way to end up with be like don't worry fabio is gonna find love (laughs) do i understand what was happening exactly so they would kidnap children hoping that they would be their kid but because they might talk back or weren't perfect they said you're not gonna work as a kid we're gonna keep you in the cellar and feed you human meat of anybody that trespasses on our land. Yeah, that seemed I, to be. I got the, it. That's the, it. Yeah, I, I got that's it. What one. She said, "Yeah, wow, Alice." That's what Alice tells Fool, right? That wow. And I couldn't tell if it was supposed to be like a. Yeah, it was supposed to be her brother, not a suitor for her, or maybe both in this kooky, twisted house. Oh. I don't, I no, don't know. I think because, it was so, supposed to be oh, they're yeah. looking for a son. So, but it so did kind of she's have... the only child that successfully towed the line enough that they could pass keep her as a daughter. Yeah. Which yeah, I guess that meant at one point they were hoping Roach was gonna be their son. And he <laughs> must have talked back and that's why they cut out his tongue. Yeah, and, that's gross. I don't like that it. effect. No. And then that's right next to the carving the body out and the hot bathtub. Like it's like a grim ten minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then yeah, the low point for me is like when they're in that chimney and like moving around. That's a little weird. And then when she falls out of the ceiling and like pounds the mom's head. And yeah. then I don't buy the kind of like Capra esque the. Com- Community comes to the door and it's like, give us back, like our community. Like, no, because the feels nothing, a little Hollywood. Yeah, and when the cops come to see if they're child abusers, it it was weird because yeah, they cleaned up all the like obvious trappings. There's enough weirdness going on there that you could at least. You think a smell would probably be in that house? At the Absolutely. House be like, What's going on here? But even the fact that I know that some people that lose their children keep their child's room the way it is. Yeah. But that room, there's just enough for you to not immediately <laughs> dismiss it out of hand. To maybe follow it up and go, okay, yeah. you're cool for tonight, but we are gonna <laughs> we're gonna assign someone to you. And we're gonna talk at length. I mean, there's a lot going on at that that, place. Look at all the the, the caged windows. Those weren't gone. Yes, yeah. And then, like, yeah, the... That's a sure sign. That big vent with a lot of, like, disuse kind of around the, like... If they looked in that room and saw a gigantic vent that seems to be getting open and closed a lot. Yeah, steel doors and... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, And then I got a little confused about the, like, geography. Because when they do get up to the attic and they look out the window... He's saying they're looking at his neighborhood, right? So the yeah. the landlords are in a different house in a different neighborhood. I think so. So then that means the neighborhood like traveled. I like the idea <laughs> more that they're like all in the same neighborhood and then they go to the Mr. Potter at the end of the street yeah. and like go to his house. I think they couldn't suggest that these haves would be living in the have-nots. Yeah. Uh, I, I was telling Paul before we started that I looked up the house to see where it was. Yes. And it was in it was for sale in 2020 and you can find the article about it and it's like been beautifully restored. It's all white inside and it's 
I don't know if it's been beautifully restored. It just looks obviously nothing like wow. that house. Yeah. And what was the the old asking price? Oh, I didn't even see. Because we were sure. talking about how they wanted gold coins for it. I do know. <laughs> we also discussed how, yeah, I, I had brought up. I think in that same neighborhood is like the six feet under house, which yeah. is also kind of this big funeral home looking house. Um, yeah, but it's that's what's cool about Los Angeles. You know, there's filming locations everywhere you look. Speaking of gold coins, you know what I loved? I've never seen this before. Was that coin in the candle trick? Oh, I wrote that down too. It's yeah. like. That's a cool thing. It's just a cool movie thing. Yeah. You're like, ooh, if I'm ever trapped in, in the kind of a Scrooge McDuck treasure room <laughs> and I, I need be. to distract somebody, I'll, I'll use those coin candlestick diversion. Um, That's all I have in my notes. I don't know if you got anything else. Yeah. Oh, oh, uh, uh, the other thing I've like, I've never seen that in a movie, was I've seen a lot of people in vents. But I've never seen the idea of turning the heat on in the vent to get the people out. Seems like a no-brainer. It's like that's a cool idea, and how have I never? But um, how hot have I never really seen that in a movie? I guess if it's a furnace and you're burning a kid. Yeah, but. I mean this movie's so so funny that like they you know re-edited E.T. because he didn't like having the agents hold a gun in kind of the same vicinity as a child, whereas Wes Craven in this movie has like a, a parent pinning a child down with a shotgun to like their head. It's crazy. <laughs> this movie alone is uh, almost assault. Well, and the children. characters say, like, it crosses a line. You know, when I'm watching the child actor and some of this stuff where he's getting kind of thrown around. I'm like, even if he knows it's pretend, it's not the best thing for a kid to have to experience. I felt that way for the girl, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Too. Yeah. Um, uh, but, like, I, I also don't... He says the F word. Yeah. And... I think the year before this is RoboCop 2 where like one of the main selling points of that movie was like the bad guy is a little kid and he swears grown-ups you're going to love this. It's I such a weird I don't remember that at all. Oh, it sounds like I got some I don't afternoon like entertainment. It. It's so weird when you see like a kid like swear and behind the camera there's like 75 grown-ups who are like yeah. look at that kid say fuck. <laughs> it's so weird. It is weird. <laughs> it is weird. <laughs> um, uh, and then yeah I you pointed out how they're not really ever under the stairs and then it's funny at the end they come up right at the very end under the stairs to attack the mom as if to be like oh shit write <laughs> <laughs> the title of this movie okay that's the martini shot uh, Mr. Craven yes uh, don't bother me now we're, we're about to have the people from under the stairs come straight out of the dining room uh, Mr. Craven don't Look, I'm usually very nice, but don't, but it's just, Mr. if you'll hear me for this one, what is it? The people from under the stairs have not actually come out from the game. Out, get them out! <laughs> All right, reset, reshoot. Well, at least they were on top of it. They figured it out. They knew. No, the first aid, good first AD is invaluable. <laughs> do Do you have more? Uh, no, that that's... Um... I'm trying to think of what the best kill for this could be. Yeah. I guess I got to go mom. Just It did feel like cathartic to get let the people under the stairs kill her, even though she'd already been stabbed by, by the yeah. dog. Um, that's funny because I liked that dad um, dying and falling into that big vat of shit or something, whatever that yeah, was. that was a weird <laughs> thing too. And that Did Ving Rhames have to come back for that extra shot? 
of him just floating in the. Oh, I sub- hope not. I hope not too. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh and it's a, a another example of what's awesome about these. Uh, uh, people look down on the, the this low genre of horror, but a lot of times it's the starting point for great actors. Mm. And yet you, you get to watch these movies and see a great actor be great. He was so young in this. Being yeah, and he's yeah. awesome. Yeah, like, he's you great. get it. You're just like, oh, I know why Wes Craven cast this guy. Yeah. He's like, you can fully, you can't take your eyes off him. Yeah. yeah. Well, what are you going to give it out of 13? Uh, I'll give it a... Just to recap, we gave... Um, drag me to hell. Paul gave it a nine. I gave it an eight point five. That feels low for me now. Hmm. I'll, I'll I'll let it stand, but still, it's a it's a heavy eight point five for me. Well, mine for this one I think is going to be a, a seven and a half. Oh, and Gorley, I realized yeah. we randomly are drawing these, but did you realize we're so far it's been cro- chronologically backwards with these movies? No. Like there's no others that come in between these uh-uh. two. So I wonder if the next one oh, will follow the same course. What, what what rating are you giving this movie? I'm gonna give it a. Um, I'm gonna go five point five. Nice. Okay. And we are now to the point that I think, in many ways, has become my favorite little moment, and that's where. I pull out this raggedy old piece of paper that has the 10 films of this series. I hope it doesn't get too raggedy. we got to keep that for the Smithsonian. <laughs> so I have these randomly listed with numbers by them. You can't choose three or eight, but any number between one and 10, and well, that will give us next week's film. Now, so far we've had two Pauls. They've been consecutive or chronological in their years. <laughs> and just to, just to let you know, the remaining films are Terror Train, the Brood, Body Double, Sleepaway Camp, Motel Hell, American Werewolf in London, Gremlins, and Scanners. Ooh. So any number between, between besides three and eight from one to ten. Okay. Let's go with two. We are going to watch, and I am thrilled about this, because it was on both of our lists, ultimately, Terror Train. Hey! But God damn it, Gorley three rusty choices. But that was Is it because how I'm seeing the numbers? Am I saying the numbers no, weird? No, no, it's just random because I I put random numbers next to them. But we talked about this on the first episode that <laughs> Terra Train was on my list. That's you just true. chose it first, so I got to substitute right. it, which I think Scanners was my alternate pick, if I remember correctly. But yeah, we both were really excited to get on the tarot train. And this is great because it's just back to classic slasher tarot yeah. train, how this all started. Well, I got to say, Gortley, over the last um, week, just in my downtime, I have um, been watching some different slashers. I watched The Burning, oh. and I watched um, The Prowler. Um, I watched this new one, The, the Bloodhound. Oh. It's not a slasher movie. I haven't heard of it. It wasn't good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Can I admit something? I'm slightly afraid to watch Terror Train because it is one of those movies I never watched as a kid, but I was always aware of, and I knew Jamie Lee Curtis was in it, and I associate it with Halloween. I know what the killer <gasps> looks like. And yes. so I have fear. I'm sure when I see it, it'll be silly. Yeah. But I am I have trepidation about watching this movie. That's awesome. Uh, and of course you would. That If you were a kid and you were like, there's another scary movie with Jamie Lee Curtis and a killer you don't sign up for that and Michael Myers was killing in in Illinois this terror could be going coast to coast yeah. at every whistle Across stop he's a whistle stop lines. murderer 
for all I know. <laughs> well, I only saw it the one time in like sixth grade at a sleepover at um, at Chris's house. <laughs> we rented it, and uh-huh. uh, I don't even remember us paying that much attention. It was pretty... so you don't have you don't know. No, okay, no, no, we're no, both no. going in kind of yes, blind. Oh, yes, that's exciting yes. too. Has I just that happened? Very seventies. I hope so. <laughs> I should hope so. Was there one movie we've both not seen, or is this a first? Um. Yeah, I hadn't seen any of the zombie. Oh, oh I previous seen the with second. our pod. Yeah. Um. Had you seen Halloween two, the zombie one? Yes, the ones I hadn't seen were one of the oh. Nightmare on Elm Street 5, I hadn't watched fully. Okay, then I hadn't either. So that that's one. And, yeah, I think that was the first. Okay. And then, oh, and then hadn't seen uh, any of the Alien versus Predators. Oh, right. I hadn't seen Requiem. That's right. And I did think, like, um, it's funny that this movie was so brightly lit, and a lot of it in daylight, it did seem to be, like, the anti-AVP Requiem. It is. That was this, so dark. These are the so far... The polar yeah. extremes. Is that is that a word? Um, but I, I do think, uh, I guess I didn't fully say this at the beginning. I think that they, this era might not have had a lot of good movies come out of it, but I appreciate the attempt that it wasn't what they had been doing for the last five years, which was just like, let's keep making sequels to the things we yeah. liked. And it wasn't the, I like the late 90s irony mm-hmm. stuff. That's good too. But and it wasn't the Audis. Let's reboot everything. Yeah. It was like the last time I feel like oh, people were trying to make sincere new horror. You know, in the last ten years, there's been a whole bunch of that stuff too. It's yeah, awesome. but there's but a lot to be said for that. Maybe this was the last time since this new wave in the last ten years. We're we're getting a lot of fun original stuff that yeah. we're trying to be original, which is a good yeah. way of looking at it. You mentioned Candyman. I'm really looking forward to watching that again. Yeah. 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 Uh, what about Candyman 2, Farewell to the Flesh? I, I will do it. I think that that would be a good, if, if we're ever going to do a series of couples. Twosomes. Yeah, twosomes. Twosers. Where we don't want to cover the whole f- franchise, but you know there's a good one or two. And even then we could do like, let's say there's like Leprechaun 1 and Le- and Leprechaun 3 is better than Leprechaun 2, yeah. so we could just do 1 and 3 or whatever. Well, I really want to see a Leprechaun in space. I do too. Oh my gosh. That guy going um <laughs> that guy. That guy that going one speed. <laughs> Little Warwick Davis, that guy. Oh, he would love it yeah. being up in space, I bet. Oh, He'd yeah. be like, let's go visit my friend uh um uh, Chief uh, Chirpa? <laughs> no pa- oh. ta- Tebow? Who's Paplu? His, who's his uh, Ewok Lobre. character? Oh, Wicket. Wicket. Well, he is Wicket. That's why I was naming the other. <laughs> well, I, I thought maybe we could do like a funny Patty Duke thing where oh. Leprechaun meets Wicket. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and and uh He's not Willow. You know how that guy in this movie you pointed out, he smelled the the shirt? Yeah. It's kind of like, oh, Wicked smells the snack. <laughs> I can't believe I named four other Ewoks than Wicked. <laughs> no, I see what you're going for. You're going for the non-Warwick Ewoks. Yeah, but Chief Chirpa, Logre, Paplu, Tebow. Was that one of them supposed to be like Wicket? And then that actor was like sick that day and they're like, bring it Wicket. No, Kenny Baker, who played R2, was supposed to play Wicket and he wasn't feeling well. So uh, Warwick Davis. <laughs> yeah. Warwick was like, uh, 
Have some of this tea, Governor. <laughs> I made it from the roots of the sequoia here in Cedar City. But I think he was just playing a, you know, supporting Ewok, a background Ewok, and they, they gave it to him. Always show up to work. You don't know what's going to happen. And make poison tea. <laughs> <laughs> well, Paul? Do you think the Phantom Thread was based on <laughs> Warwick Davis's experience on ROTJ? It is just a visionary director's interpretation of Warwick Davis and Ke- the famous feud of Warwick Davis and Kenny Baker on the 1983 set in Central California. A blue Harvest. Oh, yeah. We got to get on the set of that Blue Harvest movie. I hear there's some cool things oh, going on. Yeah. That was supposed to be a horror movie. That was the guys, right? Yeah. Um, Didn't you even have a slogan or something? like? Yeah, I think the slogan was something like horror like you'd never imagine. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, as, I don't know. As if somebody a Star make... Wars sequel. <laughs> <laughs> if you did, you know, in the same way that with Marvel movies are kind of like. It's not a Marvel movie. It's a 70s conspiracy thriller. Like, if they just did a horror movie set in Star Wars, how cool would that be? Oh, I wonder if they ever will with all this shit they're doing. (laughs) Yeah, it is all shit, and I guess I don't want to see more shit, and I'm asking for more shit right now, but... I used to be a member of the Star Wars fan club when I was a kid. Wow. So I'd get this newsletter called Bantha Tracks. Oh, yeah. I've yeah. heard of Bantha I Tracks. I still have them. And I remember, you do? Uh-huh. Very cool, Gorley. Yeah. And I remember, in fact, I have the Revenge of the Jedi poster. Like, that was the first place you could get it. My parents were smart enough to buy two of them. I don't know where one of them went, but I have one. Wow. But they were also offering blue harvest merchandise and they would explain in there like this is what the film shot under so you could get a blue harvest patch i think a jacket or a shirt i don't remember a hat that might be the coolest because it's part star wars part their idea of a horror movie from yeah, the early 80s like you can't imagine horror beyond <laughs> imagination is that what it was it was something like yeah that. i don't remember um that reminds me uh i love robert zemeckis so much but on the set of <laughs> Roger Rabbit, he has his director, uh, uh, like back, yeah, that usually sure. just says director. Yeah, I'm not making a joke. He had one that's made that says "Keeper of the Imagination." Oh, <laughs> he had it made. Or yes. S- oh my god. The dude was. High on the success of Back to the Future and Coke. I'm sorry. He's like, give me Keeper of the Imagination. Lately, there are a lot of uh, 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 instances of not being able or being able to separate the art from the artist, but this this one might take the cake. <laughs> I can't watch Roger I, I agree. I think it's time. Yeah. <laughs> Well, my friend, next week we will take the terror train from coast to coast. I look forward to it. With the easy listening at length podcast you love the most. With Gorley and Rust. Bye, guys. For more Gorley and Rust content, head over to patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust to get episodes ad-free and a whole week early. Plus, monthly mailbag episodes and feature-length watch-along film commentaries of your favorite horror classics. That's patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust. Email us at withgorleyandrust at gmail.com and your questions might be featured on a future mailbag episode. With Gorley and Rust theme song by me, Matt Gorley and performed by Townland. You can find us on Instagram as Townland Band, as well as Paul's fantastic band at Don't Stop or We'll Die. And why not rate and review with Gorley and Rust on Apple Podcasts? 
It'll help us grow the show and keep us trucking through the Jasons and the Michaels, the Leatherfaces and the Chuckies, the Aliens and the Candymans. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.